Please stand clear of the doors. Por favor, manténganse alejado de las puertas. While you're in sunny Florida, be sure to visit... Orlando! Enter into a world of epic adventure. And this has been a big lull for us. Yeah. Because we were... We were doing a podcast every week. Every week. Yeah. And to all of a sudden have like almost a month off just because the way it worked out with our family timing. Yeah. Spring break. Yeah. Stuff going on in our lives. It just did not work out. It's a big gap in our recording. So I want to... I'm going to try and keep it... I think one every two weeks is a reasonable expectation. If I can do more, I'll do more. But I think trying to do at least two a month. Yeah. To keep to keep connected with people, I think that's the the way to go. Yeah, yeah, no, no, that's great. Um, so I, I've uh, I've been doing that. I got my uh, my glitz army out. Glitz. Yep. And uh, I have to rebase all my um, mm. Moon Clan grots. Are they on the Goblin Green Square bases? They are on the the square bases. But are yep. they painted Goblin Green? Or are they painted? Some uh, of them are painted Goblin Green. The old school '90s Warhammer yep. Goblin Green. Goblin Green and and maybe some little texture on there. So yeah, I got to take all those off. And um, so right now it's like I have these two blocks of uh, I have two blocks of sixty mm-hmm. um, uh, shooters. And then I yeah. have one block of 40 shooters, and I have 20 spider riders, nine trolls, uh, one arachnorock spider, one giant spider. Uh, mm-hmm. the With scuttle, a goblin on it? Yeah. The yeah. scuttle boss. Mm-hmm. Um, and I have the loon masha fanatics, and about 10 of those. And then I have another maybe 40 spearmen that I don't know if I'm going to use those, but anyway, I've mm-hmm. got, and, and, and I have a, uh, a giant. So it's like, it's a lot of circle bases to put on there. <sighs> yeah. So, and then try and match them to each other and yep. do the, whatever texture you're going to put on there. Yep. That's a lot. That's a lot. So we'll see. I have the giant switched over to a circle base. That's awesome. That's, a, the that's a start. 150 models that I just <laughs> mentioned to you. <laughs> 150 models. Easily. No, it's one uh, uh, 60, 60, 40, 40. So that's 200. Yeah. 220, 30. Yeah, 200 and almost 40 models. Wow. Yikes. Yikes. I did not count that up until just now. <laughs> and I feel very sad. Don't be. Don't feel sad, though, because you have right now... How many armies you can play, not including that one? You've got two dwarf armies that are ready to go. Yeah, they're not fully painted, mm-hmm. um, but I do have them on circle. But I did get my old dispossessed on circle. Yeah, I got my old greenskins on circle. Yeah, and I got I just got my death army on circle. Mm-hmm. That was like ninety skeletons oh. that I had to get on there. Yeah, um, that's a lot of work. Now I got the the glitz. The glitz. Yep. Got to get, you know. Gloom spike gets, or for short, the glitz. <laughs> the glitz. <laughs> so that's, uh, so I, I, I kind of like itemized the models that I wanted to use for an army. So I kind of mm-hmm. have like two different armies I think I can do. I want to play test them both. Um, so I kind of have those set aside, and I'm like, those are going to be the first models that get the circle bases. And it's going to yeah. be the shooters and the 
and the spider fangs mm. and the trolls. Yeah. So I'm going to try to mishmash those all together. But it, it the- looks exciting. I, I finally got to, down to the book and was able to thumb through it and like seriously think about what I would want to do with a list. Yeah. With what I have without going out and buying more at the moment. Yeah. And and I think I finally figured something out. And one of them is, you know, a cool thing is uh, one of the um, one of the spells that you can do is the hand of Gork. Yeah. And that's an old school spell too. An old school it's been spell. Forever. Yeah. So it's a tell you know teleportation spell, mm-hmm. and if I cast it on a seven, then I can pick any unit within twenty four inches of my wizard and move them anywhere else on the board nine inches away. So I'm looking it's forward powerful. to taking sixty Ugh. shooters, dropping them nine inches away, so that I can do sixty bow attacks, fling out the loon masha fanatics, and then charge you. That's and they do. Each one does D six. The hits the, 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 the fanatics with fanatics. those balls. Yeah, you know. Yeah, um, you know the fanatics with the balls. <laughs> they're not. They're not from West Virginia. No. They're from Jersey. Yep. Those yeah. are. Yeah. Those are. Those are Jersey fanatics. <laughs> and uh, um, and so those those guys go into the you know so then they'll be able to charge because mm-hmm. they, they 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 come out three inches. Yeah. So I lay down that unit of 60. Those come out three inches. Now I'm six inches away. Now I can charge you. Yeah. And if you want to use a command point to make sure the charge happens, you can yeah. re-roll. Yeah. Yeah. And then that's... Um, uh, so I can, I'm, I'm going to either put five or ten of them in there. But if I Fanatics? Put, yeah. Oh. If I put ten fanatics in that one block, Yeah. then that's ten, time, ten D6 attacks. And... <sighs> Four up to hit, three up to wound, minus two rend, D3 damage. Mm. So we'll see. Yeah. <laughs> or that could really just I can completely do, remove a flank yeah. in one shot. Right. Just, because you still have the shooting attacks. Yeah. So I have the, the shooting attacks to go right before they charge. Yeah. Um, you know, if, if people are smart, they'll take the models off the front. And, yes. And like, create more distance. But yeah, then you're killing off your command because usually people put their command right there in the front yeah um you know so uh anyway um or nine or transport nine trolls mm-hmm. and then just let those guys put them on a, an objective so if you want to get the objective you gotta get through these trolls yeah so the other thing is if i split those down and do like two you know do like maybe three units of three trolls then i can just each turn move a troll onto an objective and just let them sit. Yeah. And I, I, I don't know. There's options. Lots of options. So. And they're great models, and the, they're so thematic and just fun yeah. to play with, play against. Yep. That's awesome. So I'll, I'll only know if it's competitive until I play. Right. <laughs> and even if, it's, even if it's not, like, competitive competitive, it's still mm-hmm. going to be a lot of fun. Exactly. That's. I mean, that's the point. That's yep. why we play. It's, it's, be it's all so much fun. And I just want to whip the fanatics out. And <laughs> always in eighth edition, they were always so <laughs> devastating to have those things. And the new fanatic models too are almost as like at least as good as the old fanatic models with how they yeah how they look and right. So I think they'll be as equally devastating. Yeah. So that's great. Are you looking at getting any of the uh, one of those little monsters? They look like critters. The, squigs. The squigs. Yeah. You know, I I know everybody. 
I, that's probably the competitive way to play them. Mm-hmm. This army is to play the squigs. Yeah, I just don't have any, mm-hmm. and I don't really feel like going out and getting them right now. I know what you mean. I just want to wait. Play wait till they've been out for first. a while, and then like when somebody's bored with it, buy theirs off eBay. Yeah, right. So, but I love the the way the squigs look <laughs> and their like style, and like yeah. the one squig that's got the goblin inside its mouth right. is just like riding inside the squig. Yeah, uh, yeah, so much fun. Yeah, that's a, great an 80s uh, horror film franchise called Critters. Have you heard of it? I've heard of it. Yeah, they look kind of like squigs, except they're black and furry. Okay. Um, but they, they um, when they're not actually eating, they look like, like a thumb, like, like a black <laughs> furry thumb when they're standing up to eat. And then when they are attacking, they turn into a ball and they roll oh, as okay. a ball towards nice. their opponent or, or wherever they're going after. But it was uh, just such a fun franchise yeah. when I was a kid. They're coming out with a new TV series right now. I think it's going to be on the Sci-Fi Channel for Critters. Okay. So if you're an 80s horror fan, it's exciting to see the Critters come back into... They're, they're like an evil version of Stitch from uh, Lilo <laughs> and Stitch, the nice. Disney movie. Yeah, yep. so if you picture Stitch was actually out there to eat all yeah. of humanity. That's the Critters. Hmm. I'm, I wonder if you could get like a, like a model that would... Of Stitch... Yeah, that's kind of maybe in different poses, and he's around the size of the squigs. If you yeah. could <laughs> mod this army to be like a stitch, stitch army, I, I think that would be pretty doable. Oh yeah, paint this. There's got to be some Disney figurines out there that are about the size. Oh yeah, and like to to make it look like Stitch because he could change his shape a little bit. You just have some add arms to a couple of them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That that'd be fun. I think it'd be a lot of fun. Yeah. Anyway, what have you been doing? Uh, well, uh, since we had the plumbing done, and uh, I've been forced to kind of rearrange this room a little bit, so I've been kind of decorating. I've been putting stuff up on the walls, and a lot of stuff I've had boxed up. I'm trying to uh, purge a bunch of old stuff. Like I just recently, not not recently, but I got rid of my G.I. Joe collection, which I've had forever, okay. with the exception of just a couple that really spark joy spark joy <laughs> yeah that's the thing do you need it does it spark joy those are the two questions you're supposed to ask with everything in your home nice. and uh so yeah i got rid of all the stuff that i didn't need and didn't spark joy i'm doing the same thing right now I'm, i think i mentioned it in a previous show but i'm i'm so on the fence about whether or not i want to get rid of this necron collection oh yeah because i bought it on a whim and you'd found this auction or not auction someone was on craigslist selling right. it's like 500 dollars worth of necrons that someone sold for a hundred dollars yeah and I've been able to add to it a little bit. I've got some extra stuff. And it's just, I love the themes of the Necrons. The yeah. story behind them is so grim. Yeah. I really like that. And the idea of this, like, they're, they're robots, essentially, but they're cursed undead in robot form. They're so fun. Yeah. But I don't play 40K. Yeah. You know, I barely have time to. I, I don't get to play nearly as much AOS as I like, and I also play um, Dungeons D&D. and Dragons. Yeah. And like we have this Star Wars campaign, which we've uh, we've we, paused. Yeah, we. Much. I mean, we had to because we were doing all these other things. Yeah, uh, I'd love to play some X Wing again too. Yeah, and we haven't been doing that. So, like on the list, the priority of things to do, forty K is way down on the list. So, do I? keep these around plus i only have so much 
space. Right. I've got a, a, a decent sized house, but to space to actually put stuff out on display so I can yeah. actually look at it. Uh, you know, if it's in a box in my garage, it's not sparking joy. Yeah. You know? Right. Uh, so I I'm, have a tough decision to make about whether or not I want to get rid of it. But I had been like when I, right when I got it, I started looking at how do I put LEDs and models and yeah. how do I do that? Make the guns glow. Make the guns glow and the big, uh, the obelisk, the big yeah. pyramids uh-huh. they have that like having like big green LEDs inside those, the, the concept for the Necrons and having these big green lights, practical lights inside them. That sounds like so much fun to me. Yeah. At the same time, I recently got really excited about the Skaven again. Yep. Uh, so to, I could, if I'm doing a uh, clan scryer army, they're the ones that have all the, the warp stone weapons Ooh, yeah. with the guns. Mm-hmm. I could do the same kind of Necron effects with all these clan scryer guns. That yeah. would be really cool. Yeah. Um, plus I'd like to do the whole Mickey mouse theme with the clan yeah. scryer. I have so many ideas for armies that I'm <laughs> never going to do. Uh, so yeah, I think I'm, I think I'm going to sell the Necrons. Yeah. But yeah, I've got a bunch of, I've, I've collected Marvel toys since, you know, the eighties. Uh-huh. Uh, and little at a time as I get new toys, I'll sell the old toys. And now I'm in a place where I, I think I've figured out how much space I'm planning to have for the next, you know, 10 years at least. Yeah. And so I have to, uh, either decide, am I going to keep this stuff in the box for 10 years or am I going to get rid of it? Yeah, uh, and just focus right. on right. you know the stuff that's important to me. Uh, so having to be disciplined and choosing what I want to do. Two of my favorite Marvel stories. Those are the stories I want to focus on uh-huh. for my like displayed Marvel collection. There's the uh, 1980s. I want to say it was 1985. There was a Marvel story called Secret Wars. Okay. So I just want to collect figures that appeared in that story. And there was another story called uh, uh, Avengers Siege, which was a year later and involved this team called the Masters of Evil and how they had coordinated to kill the Avengers. Mm. So those two stories, I just want to focus on collecting characters that showed up in those two stories. And there's a lot that haven't been made, uh, but there's a lot of overlap between those two stories, uh, characters that are out there. Uh, And there's you know, one or two other figures that are interesting to me, but they Hasbro now owns the license to the Marvel legends and they are really good at putting out like 30 or 40 figures a year. Oh wow. Yeah. So if you don't have any discipline, if you're just like, I'm going (laughs) to, I'm just going to collect these like 30 figures a year. Yeah. They're, I mean, they're eight inch tall, six, six to eight inch tall action figures. Yeah. And they usually sell retail $20. So if you're not careful and you're not disciplined, yeah, I mean you're looking at spending six hundred dollars a year on miniatures that you have nowhere to put. Yeah, uh, so that's oh man, I <laughs> know. Uh, talking about Warhammer being an expensive hobby, this is also an expensive yeah. hobby, and it's another one too. Like what's great about Warhammer is that it's a game too. So right. you bring it to someone's house and you get to show it off and share yep. it. These Marvel Legends, like. If yeah, not- but they look so cool. Like when I come over here every time and see the little scenes you've set up on the different shelf and what yeah. they, you know, why are those guys next to each other? Well, let me tell you. Yeah, <laughs> I love uh, I love recreating these stories. And so the thought of right now, like I'm planning to go on this wall that's behind me. I'm planning to go across this wall and retell that story of the 
the Secret Wars yeah. from 1985. And that's nice. right when I started collecting comic books. Okay. And that story is like, it was huge. It was yeah. this big, it was one of the first epic events that took place in the comic, big epic crossover events that took place in comics. Mm-hmm. That, uh, yeah, it was it was a big deal at the time and it still like, uh, you know, resonates within the, the whole Marvel canon. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, to be able to recreate that up on the shelf, and there's only a couple characters that still haven't been produced hmm. in action figure form. So I'm just I'll focus on collecting those and then not get anything else yeah. that doesn't show up in there. Because yeah. if I if I get that bug to collect again, that's no good. I'm I'm very very poor impulse control. Uh, yep. <laughs> and I think they take advantage of that. Oh, absolutely. You know, like with how, I mean, even GW comes just these, I feel like they've been pumping more and more out. Mm-hmm. People keep wanting more, but I think it's because of the pace that they put it out. People are like, oh, well, you can't stop now. Yeah, uh, absolutely. There's this great meme where it shows like a uh, Venus flytrap. Oh, yeah. And it's like a, a guy's looking at a fly in the flytrap. I'm like, what a stupid fly to fall for that and it shows a bear at a bear trap and he's like how could he have how, what kind of sucker falls for that and then it shows the same guy like walking into a warhammer store <laughs> nice uh, yeah but, no now i i feel like i'm i have to practice this same sort of discipline uh, discipline because i do play 40k i play one army in 40k mm-hmm. and that's uh chaos space marines mm-hmm. and um I had got kind of gotten what I have until like a year later. I was had that itch, and I was like, "Oh, but wouldn't it be cool to just have like also this like rap like half of my armies just being just raptors that just like fly onto the table and just pew, pew, pew. yeah." And uh, and so I bought up this eBay, you know, of like fifteen to twenty raptors, you know. And, wow. <laughs> and so I have that, you know, and uh, and that was already on top of the other you know chaos space marines that i already had um but i haven't bought really anything and now they just dropped this new book and they have new and then it's like well here's new space marine molds and new terminator molds and all this stuff and 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 they're not quite primaris primaris size apparently they're like death guard size which is a little larger but i'm i think i'm okay with just saying i don't need those guys i don't need the new terminators I kind of don't even need, you know, the new Havocs or the new Obliterators, but I do want Abaddon because Abaddon is badass. Yeah. And I don't like the old 40K Abaddon. I I don't have that one. I have the 30K Abaddon where mm-hmm. it's like the, the, the fight scene between him and Loken from the Horus Heresy series. Yeah. And I really like that model. But now with this new one coming out, he's so much bigger. And so, and that's part of the lore. Yeah, he's like, almost the same size as uh, what's his name, Robot Gilliman. Yeah, he. I think he is the same size. Like, he's he's not he's not a Primarch, but he is been growing and growing mm-hmm. ever since. Just as he's getting more chaotic, I guess. And, yeah. Uh, um. Anyway, he's really cool. So I think I'm gonna get that model. I think I'm gonna get the new dice that came out because those dice do look really cool. Yeah. And I did get the new book, so I think I'll be okay with that. I think yeah. I'll sit okay, and I've got some. I, I still have to paint some of the Chaos Space Marines. I have a lot of it painted, but I still have a little bit left to paint. So I'm gonna finish painting it first. Okay. You know, I feel like that's gonna be my sort of my mo. Mm-hmm. Is gonna be let me finish painting what I have before I start getting new new armies and stuff. Yeah. 
That's a good attitude. It is. The then good. I'm going to roll with it for now, and we'll see how far <laughs> that goes. But I, I feel like we have done more hobbying, especially since we've started the podcast. And yes. I feel like there's a little bit of this, uh, you know, responsibility to be working towards a goal and, and showing it, progress. And absolutely. I think it's part of our consciousness now that we, we want to have this forward progress. And, you know, we've got the Twitter and the Instagram. Yeah. We want to keep that keep that flow you know momentum um, and flow and and because we we do spend a lot of money on this too and if you're not engaged then what's the point like i have this right because uh, then it's just hoarding if you're yeah, not actually yeah you that's know. true that's absolutely true that's why i'm trying to purge so my, I, gotta, like, I gotta start painting it or else i'm a hoarder <laughs> yeah no. yes it's it's really true and like to, just to have a an army that's in a box Yep. That no one sees. You're the only one that knows it exists. To just, it's just uh, sad. Yeah, you know, I, yeah. I don't want that. I want to have it out there, and I want to keep learning to new techniques and learning new things. You know, I recently got an airbrush, and I want to start oh, learning yeah. how to airbrush. And with the the those Skaven models I have, that seems like a great opportunity to do the yeah. Clan Scryer, the big um, their big battle line. War Machine guys, they're like rat ogres mm, with the guns. Yep. I can't, off the top of my head, I can't think about it. I've had a really long day <laughs> when we started doing yep. this. So, like, my, my synapses aren't firing nearly <laughs> as quickly as I wish they were. Yeah. Um, and I, for me, uh, the biggest step has been look at what's not put together mm-hmm. and get it together. Yeah. And then it's there and then it's asking to be painted, it's yeah. asking to be played with. So I've been going through and been trying to assemble things and trying to get everything on that shelf that's still in a box, like assembled and built and then playable. At least it's playable and then maybe I'll play it more. And then when I'm playing with it, I'm going to be like, I really want this to be painted. Yeah. You know? And and so I think that'll be good. And I think I'm going to implement some simple painting techniques and then spend the the more more time on the more complex yeah. you know for example like skeletons just run through get the skeletons done but then work on archon and mm-hmm. make archon exactly the way i want them yeah what i've been doing lately is i've been trying to keep coming back to the witch elves the daughters of cain yeah because i do want them to get to the point where they are not their tabletop standard right now i want them to get to like the entire army to be to a standard that I can be really proud of. Yeah. Because the last tournament I played in, and they did come through and do a, a surprise. I wasn't expecting the paint contest to work the way it did. Yeah. And I wasn't, I didn't have anything set up. So I didn't have my best stuff in the front row. Mm. So they just got to look at everything where it was when I like finished my last game. Yeah. So it was kind of spread out and all over the place and not already looking good. And there were the models that I would like to like, don't look at those, look at these. But yeah, that's not how it works. So um, I do want to get the entire army up to a standard where I can really be proud of it. Not a three color standard. Not that I even was doing a three color, like a six color standard is what right. I had. But I want them all to look hero quality yeah. paint. Yeah. And so I've got about... I think only about 40 models left. So uh, 30 witch elves and 10 of the uh, Kynari heart renders. Okay. No, life takers. Kynari heart, Kynari uh, life takers. <laughs> and once those are all up to that standard, so it's 40 more models to get yeah. to that like 
high-end standard I want to achieve. So I've been doing that a little bit at a time, and every once in a while when I get bored creatively, I'll throw in a model from a different yeah. range. Like I recently painted a Reaper uh, Dorothy from the Wild West. Oh, yeah. Oz. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. Uh, so yeah, I want to keep... Uh, you got to keep throwing models in there to keep it fresh and exciting right. and do different colors yeah. and do different things. But yeah, if I once I get these 40 done, I'm not planning to add anything else. Yeah, so you want to take a break now? Let's and, do it. Yeah, because it seems like a, a good time. Yeah. All right, so we'll take a break, and then we'll come back, and we'll talk about the Realm of Shadow. Sounds good. Elgu consists of 13 vast regions, each more distant and unknowable than the last. A realm of secrets and riddles on the wind. It is called the Grey Realm by many, for its true name can only be properly pronounced as a whisper. And never in broad daylight, here half light and half truth are the best a traveler can wish for. Talking about getting stuff painted, there's so much out there. I'm trying not to find myself in, do you ever get this where you have so much to paint? You, mm-hmm. you feel kind of trapped in that. Like you don't want to do any painting now. Yeah, you can't choose. Mm-hmm. Or not that you can't choose, like the thing you want to paint is these 40 models, which is so daunting that you don't even want to start. Yeah. Uh, or when I think about painting like an entire unit like that, I think, well, if I if I just do five it's hard to keep track of my formula yeah. for painting. And then it, the, each successive batch will be slightly different. Yeah. When I was just getting started and I was doing that Skaven where I was painting like 80 Skaven, like they, at some point I was like 15 or 20 in and I decided to change how I was basing them. Oh yeah. I don't I think some, I had this idea that, Oh, you know, I'll base them all like they're underground, but that was after I'd already based 20 of them. Like they're out in the forest. Yeah. So then, like, so now they're all this mis- mismatched army, <laughs> and I was experimenting on a lot of different things, and you just end up with kind of a mess. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, it can be really daunting and be hard to to get over that yeah. hump. And it's something we were talking about with Mark before too. That he was saying to just focus on doing a skirmish. Yep. You know, and just yep. do what you need for a skirmish battle. So I was doing that with the Iron Jaws. If yeah. We're gonna do a a skirmish where you have your focus on one hero and watching right. that one hero grow. The thought of doing that with an orc really appeals to me. Yeah. Yeah. And I had kind of done that with the, with the death. So I had gotten mm-hmm. some used models from eBay that were painted already. Yeah. But I have a lot more, more that were unpainted and I just did. Um, what did I just do? Like 20, 30, 30 skeletons. I did like 500 points worth. And I was kind of... So I I, I want those, you know, so maybe if, if, if we did skirmish, I was going to use those you know, 500 yeah. points to make my... To start my skirmish army. Mm-hmm. So, but it was like, yeah, 30 skeletons. Get them in line, you know? Yeah. Metal, 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 metal. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, sash, sash, sash. sash. <laughs> Which I like. I like that process, but it it can get it can it can become a grind. Yeah, you know? for sure. Yep. But it's so satisfying when it's done. It's so satisfying yes. to see everything on the table and then see your friends look at it 
yeah. and go, hey, nice oh, job. Man. Yeah, that yeah, looks yeah, good. Yeah. And be excited to play against it. Yeah. You know, it's so much more fun to play against painted models. Yes, it is. So uh, kind of waiting for Warcry to come out. I am too. I'm curious to see what it's actually going to be like because yeah. I really like Skirmish. I don't care for Underworlds. A lot of people like yeah. Underworlds. I like the idea of Underworlds. I don't like getting into another game where you have to have cards. And if you want to play a, a certain way, you have to have this one certain card. Mm. Too much of that in the past with collectible card games. And then yep. same thing with X-Wing. Right. So I love X-Wing, but like you look around on the internet and like, oh, what's a good way to load out this particular plane? Oh, you, you need know? to get that expansion and that expansion to get those cards. Yeah, exactly. Yep. Yep. Or you, you try printing it up yourself, and then that's kind of cheap. Yeah. You know, when you're playing against your friends, right. like, oh, I found the optimal loadout, and here's where I hand wrote what the cards do. Like, <laughs> that's kind of, you know, a little three by five card there. Yeah. With all the others. <laughs> yeah, here it is. This is what I did. Yep. Well, I even I went on and found, like, actual images of the cards oh, and yeah, I went yeah. into Photoshop and like sized them the right size oh, yeah. and printed them out and put them put them in sleeves too so it looks like hey it looks hey. like the same card you know what's the what's the problem what's the, what's the difference yeah it is but <laughs> seriously like if you're just playing amongst friends right. what is the difference yeah, it doesn't matter I test it you know and then you know you yeah. like that combo or not but then it's also it's also a little different because it's like yeah but I kind of don't want to go buy more boxes so I'm stuck with what I got and mm-hmm. then now you've got something I can't ever beat Yes, and that's so many of these games. This one thing I, I don't like about any of these games where the person that has the most money wins games. Yeah, and and people would say, I've heard people say that about like the forty k and the Age of Sigmar. Absolutely, but I feel like it's a little different, and I feel like that's why I like this so much. Is I can go grab all of these models that I had from Fantasy. Mm-hmm. and not go get the new ones and I feel I can still put a good army together and maybe I can't go out and win the tournament but I can still go out and play well yeah and I, and I can go out and beat people at the you know local gaming store or at least just have fun games where we're you know in because it really comes down to your tactics it does it comes down to your you know your deployment comes down to you know who goes first who goes second who gets a double turn yeah how you prioritize your objectives maximize on other people's mistakes yep not make your own mistakes like that's half of it who cares what army you're playing what army i have yeah it just i just need to play right yeah and knowing knowing your own army but yeah like you're saying you don't have to spend a ton of money you don't have to break your bank and spend a fortune um I, th- I think what the people that are like great tournament players that I know are the ones that are doing that, not breaking the bank, but they are like whatever's the biggest, baddest. Yeah. Cause there are that where there are, there is that where mm-hmm. a new army comes out and then it has these really good parts about it. And you're right on a tournament level, the, there, there are some combinations that make it a really, really good army. Mm hmm. An example is the Daughters of Cain. Yeah. There's no way I could have a competitive Daughters of Cain army if I hadn't been, for me and my, like, hobby dollar, mm-hmm. there's no way I could have a competitive Daughters of Cain army if I hadn't been collecting it for, like, already for five years. Yeah. Because the, just the, to have a good Daughters of Cain army, you have to have at least 60 witch elves or uh, Sisters of Slaughter. Right. And so they're, te- they're, uh, 
fifty dollars for ten. Yeah, and two cauldrons. And and two cauldrons or a cauldron and like a an eighty dollar hero. Yeah, you know, um, you you it's a huge financial investment if you're not like. Right, if you're just thinking, hey, I'm going to go play this tournament. I'm starting from zero, mm-hmm. and now I need to have a tournament. Yeah, you got to think of it in your head. You got to know exactly all the models you need. Then you need to get all those models. And yeah, some of these armies, it can be, like you said, sixty to like death. It could be ninety to a hundred models. Yeah, and but if you know what you want, mm-hmm. and you're looking for deals, you're looking for bargains, and you're yeah. uh, taking your time with it, it's not as daunting. But if you're like, it's it's just a fact of all these games that it, the person that has the money to just dump a thousand dollars on an army, they're gonna have an advantage. Yeah, uh, it's unfortunate. I wish it wasn't that way, but that's that's what it is. The person yeah. that has the more money to dump in the game, they're gonna have an advantage in the game. Yeah, yep. But that doesn't mean they're gonna win. Right. They have exactly. A, they yeah. can still tactically mess up. You can. Oh, you, absolutely. You, you can be a masterful tactician. And play with a uh, a lower level army and still do better. Yeah, than and that's with a great army that aren't good tacticians. Yeah, and that's what's great about Age of Sigmar. Correct. Is that it, yeah, they're even with the best army out there, you there's still an opportunity to lose. Yep. To someone who just plays better than you. Yeah. We've done many episodes so far on the realms of of uh, Age of Sigmar of the Age realms. Of Sigmar. Yeah. I don't know, you know, the realms of everything. Yeah, there's only two <laughs> realms left that we have well, other than Azir, right. which is in a playable realm. Correct. Or the realm of chaos, which now is kind of playable, but only for demons. Okay. Because they had that realms of chaos box come out and apparently you can now play games in the realm of chaos but it's only demons against demons. Oh, interesting. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, I do think that's fascinating and fun to learn more about the realm of chaos. And particularly since it's the only realm that exists in both Sigmar and 40K. Oh, yeah. It's the same realm. Yeah. Uh, So that's a lot of fun. Yeah. Is the... can Can you fight in all point, the all points? Which is like that... It's like that middle place where... Archaon can has access to all the realms. Is that I don't still know. considered the realm of chaos? It's called all points, where it's like, yeah. do you know what I'm talking about? I do, but I don't know if there's different rules for it. Okay. Yeah. I don't know if you can. I mean, it's not in the book as far yeah. as playable in the book. Is that something that's still open? Or is that something that ended? Like it, it opened and then at the oh, end of that story, was know. it like shut down? Yeah, I don't know. I don't know either. It'd be, good It'd be interesting, though. It'd be interesting to know if we could get there somehow you know because they mentioned the all points but they never in this rule book they never actually give you the ability to play there yeah um so so if that's what you mean by we can't play there because it's not in the book then um then you're right there's nowhere in chaos that you can play i what i thought was that um azir just like azir and chaos was that like no one you can only go there if you're welcomed you know oh, like you're right you're let in it's not like you can invade like the other realms you can actually invade right and enter right um yeah but i guess to my yeah without really you know thinking about it i was thinking oh well if they can come to me then you know like you could go to them but maybe not maybe those realm gates are only one way yeah the ones from chaos and 
I, that's what I thought because I, I don't know of any stories where it's like the like the Stormcast are invading the realm of chaos. Right. I don't think they can. Yeah. It's a one way street. Yeah, it's interesting. So tonight, we have two left. We have two left. We definitely want to talk about the realm of shadow, and yes. then let's see because the realm of light is tied very closely to the realm of shadow. Correct. Because they're all like a yin and yang; they circle each other. Yeah. Uh, so that's Ulgu and Heish. Ulgu is the realm of shadow. Ulgu, because I'm a Daughters of Cain fan, Ulgu uh, features prominently in their lore. Okay. Um, so just to, to talk about the history of the Daughters of Cain, when uh, Marathi was the in the old world, she was one of the queens of the Dark Elves. And it was her son, Malekith, who was the actual, like, king of the Dark Elves, mm. who had, like, ascended to the throne. Uh, Malerian. Let... Now he's Malerian. Oh, now he's Malerian. Yeah, he used to be Malekith, which is actually okay, yeah. mm-hmm. from, like, Earth mythology, our actual mythology. Right. Like, if you've seen Thor, the Dark World, this Malekith is the bad guy in there. And then the end times, he was, Malekith was yes. the guy in the end times, right? Yes. Yeah, so that's Malekith in the old school. Now that it's the age of Sigmar, what was Malekith is now Malerian. Okay. Uh, so the same character, essentially, but now a different name. Okay. Yeah. Got it. Because you can't copyright Malekith. <laughs> <laughs> Correct. This probably, I'm guessing that's, that's why. That's why they changed all of this stuff. I think so, yeah. Yeah. And, uh, orcs, and intellectual, orcs. Yeah, intellectual yeah. property. You can't, yeah. All the stuff that was public domain is now, right. they had their name changed. Exactly. I'm surprised that Marathi wasn't. So I guess Marathi is an original character for them. Uh, but yeah, Marathi is a fun character because she, she's uh, in that same vein, you've, you've heard of those characters that are just like power mad. They just want more and more power. They want to run everything and be in charge of everything. And she's one of these characters. She she wants to attain godhood. She wants to, much like Nagash, she tried to follow the same path as Nagash to godhood. Um, and she tried to climb that ladder and get there. And she never quite got there. But her son, mm-hmm. uh, who was Malekith, now he's Malyrian, uh, he did attain godhood. So the Malyrian that shows up here is Marathi's son. Yeah. As far as, unless I've missed something in the stories, what I've read, he is Marathi's son, and he is an elven god, um, even though Marathi is not. Mm-hmm. Uh, he attained godhood through his, like, amassing of power. Uh, so she has this, like, huge rivalry with her son. It r- reminds me very much of the Arthur legend, and uh, Arthur's sister, okay, who like, if you know the Arthur legend, as far as I know, the, the version of the Arthur legend that I know, she tricked Arthur into having sex with her. So it's his own sister. Yeah, it's very mm-hmm. biblical. Yeah, uh, she, yeah. she tricks Arthur. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, she there. There's another story. Who was it? Uh, I can't remember. There's there's another story in the Bible. It's pretty much the same thing where his. Uh, Lot's daughters. Lot's get daughters. Lot drunk. Yes. Sleep with them. Yes. Yes. Sleep with them. Yeah, because they have they haven't had boyfriends, so they're like, <laughs> they get their dad drunk so they can like have a happy ending. Anyway, this is perfectly yeah. it, it all. Everybody listening, it ties right back into Warhammer. It seriously. It so yeah, the Arthur legend. 
Ah, I can't. Oh, it's uh, Morgan Le Fay is Arthur's sister. Okay. And she tricks Arthur into having sex with her. Okay. Uh, and she's a sorceress. Yeah. Uh, apparently trained by Merlin. And mm-hmm. uh, so she wants her son, her heir, to take over the throne after Arthur. And so this story of Marathi um, and uh, Malekith, Malurian is very, it's pretty much that same story yeah. where it's her son who she's like doing everything in her power because she can't ascend to the throne. So she's created an heir. She's, she's made it so that her son can ascend to the throne. And uh, so she essentially runs the kingdom. Yeah. And you see the same story in uh, Game of Thrones. Game of, yep. Game of Thrones is the same concept. Yep. And there's um, incest there as well. Absolutely. There's incest there as well. Yeah, very much the same story. Same from the you Arthur know, legend from the Bible. Every time I look at this name now, Olgu, I feel I feel like it's like in the realm of Olgu. <laughs> yep, brother sister sex. Olgu. <laughs> it's Luke and Leia the whole time. Uh, yep. Why is there so much in fantasy and mythology? Man, there. I Just mean, even really... like our all of Christianity started with Adam and Eve. Oh yeah. You know, oh, and like okay, goodness. so they're they're not. Right brother and sister really and then but, once they get rid of all of everybody they did it twice they yeah, did it again with noah's ark yeah they wipe everybody out and then they go cool well we've just got like noah his wife and his three kids yeah and their wives and we gotta make some babies <laughs> Maybe that's not how this. I don't know. I think that that sounds like a song. That's Noah's song. It's like, the, it's like Noah's like, okay, time to repopulate. We gotta make some babies. Yep. And they're like, oh, Dad, come on, Dad, come on, leave me and my sister alone for a minute. It's awkward enough already. Yep. Yeah. So. It does come back. So Malerian and Marathi, that's their relationship. And so when the uh, Sigmar reforged the realms and uh, in Ulgu, the realm of shadows, they are, they found each other in -hmm. the realm of shadows and there weren't any other elves there. Speaking of elves and um, intellectual property in Sigmar, elves is spelled A E. L V yes. Yeah. Uh, unlike normally it's E L V E S. Right. <laughs> so you're talking about that the two accents. Where are the two accents, you know? Uh Hillbilly, West Virginia and uh New and Jersey. Jersey. Yeah. When I think of elves spelled with an A, I think of West Virginia. Ales? <laughs> elves? Elves? Well. Well. Yep. like Samwise. Going to see the ales. Ales, yep. <laughs> that's that's what I, when I see it spelled with an A. That's what yeah. I think of. Ales. So yeah, definitely it's it's still the same name. It's just the A is silent. Yeah. You know, they just put that on there. The A is silent. But it, it still just makes me like a little like, you know, like yeah. uh, twitch a little bit. A little twitch, and then I'm like uh, elves. Yeah. You know, like you have to like you have to read it and say it a bunch before you right. can just ignore like that letter. A word with like an apostrophe in the middle of the word. Yeah. And it kind of makes me like, and, and then. Yeah. How, how am I supposed to say this? Yeah. Just ignore <laughs> that letter. Like so many things like uh, possum, like, like yeah. you know, possum. So you don't say the O. You right. don't have to say opossum. It's possum. Just say possum. Mm-hmm. Yep. It's like elves. 
Yep. yep. It's just say elves. It's fine. <laughs> uh, so they find each other in the realm of shadow, which is really a shadow realm. Uh, when they describe this meeting of these two, it's almost like a dream realm. Yeah. So uh, Marathi and Malyrian, they find themselves in Olgu. And Olgu described oh. in oh. <laughs> family, family sex. Oh. Uh, yeah, uh, it's dr- it's described in the Daughters of Cain book as this mm. like dream world, you know, it's yeah. this formless world that's constantly changing, and reality is constantly in flux. Yeah. And so that's they, what they talk about here too, a little bit. Yeah, that that it is this this dream world that's like it's not in a solid state constantly. Yeah. There are cities. There are places to live, and there are fixed places, but the like the realm itself is fluid and changing. And that it's they had to work really hard to find each other. And once they did, and then they then they were able to branch out and find more of the elves and start rebuilding. Mm. What 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 was your takeaway from what you've read about Olgu? Well, Olgu um, <laughs> sounded like yeah, it was this place that was kind of like somebody would have said beautiful yeah but then once chaos came it almost like changed the mood and when the mood of everybody changed it's almost like the land changed yeah that's what when i read this that's kind of how i felt was it was a place of you could find happiness and beauty and um interest and all this kind of stuff throughout the realm but once chaos came everybody got like super were like not worried but like a fear a fear that turned them into bitter people yeah and then it became a a realm of bitter people that were just looking out for themselves and then the landscape in a sense kind of reflected that it became this place that you didn't recognize when you were going and if you wandered then you then you were going you were risking death for wandering yeah not necessarily anymore this place of exploring these ever-changing lands now it's no 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 don't wander because if you wander you may not find your way back yeah it's it's the realm of shadow you can just be lost forever yeah and uh and so i and i it is a short you know mention of in the in the core book of yeah in, in in the core book it's definitely like a you know two two and a half pages essentially or uh, a page and a half, sorry, just a page and a half. And um, when I was trying to think about what it felt like, I kind of was thinking about when Frodo and Samwise and Gollum were traveling to Mordor, and mm-hmm. they had to pass the swamp, yeah, the, the swamp land before they got there. Just that misty, kind of weird, sort of stick together. Don't wander, don't stare into the water, don't yeah. do any of that. Um, just keep going. Yeah. Go where you're supposed to go, don't wander. And then, now that I'm thinking about it a little bit more, it makes me think, too, about like a labyrinth, almost. Yeah. Just not necessarily a labyrinth of... of Like walls, not like an actual garden, maze. Of garden walls, yeah, but almost like a, like a larger scale just thinking oh i've been in this area before but it doesn't 
feel like it's connecting the way that it was connecting to somewhere else. Yeah. You know, like you get into this neighborhood or you get into this city and now you leave the city and now it's unfamiliar. Yeah. Things have changed, but not necessarily because it's overgrown, but just because the paths look different. Yeah. Wait, the mist is hanging in a different way. So now it looks inviting in certain ways that it didn't before and not inviting in the ways it was before, you know? Yeah. Yes. Like I, I, yeah. It's kind of this unsettling feeling yeah of not not and, and, and different from death and different yes. from very different from death like is, yeah you, you just describe the two initially they seem like what's the point of having two of what seems like the same thing but they are not right exactly yeah. like death is very intentional in a lot of its whereas this is very much you, you kind of can't put your pulse you can't, you can't, like you know like you kind of can't figure it out yeah. Is what is the sense I get from here. Yeah. It's, it's And once you figure it out, it's gonna change. And what you're saying too about how people think about it, that that you can that what people's attitude has changed the actual land, that mm. it feels like if you don't have a strong enough will to make it adhere to like keep your focus, yeah, then you can get distracted and become lost in this dream world. Yeah, and then just be lost forever. Do you remember the movie Time Bandits? Oh, yeah. It's one of Terry it Gilliam's sounds, movies. Yeah, it's very Monty Python kind of movie. Yeah, it's the one with the uh, all the the little people, and they've got a map of all of time and space, and so okay. there are these doorways, and they can go through these doorways to go through anywhere in time and space. Okay, and they eventually go into the realm of fantasy okay. which is supposed to be like a, a no-go don't go into the realm of fantasy because it doesn't work right yeah yeah it doesn't work like an actual reality the the physics science like it doesn't work right in the realm of fantasy and so they yeah. do go they have no choice to go into of the realm of fantasy yeah and it's yeah the movie's already a terry gilliam dreamscape <laughs> I yeah. highly, highly recommend this movie. It is so good. It is strange, but if you like Monty Python yeah. uh, and you like that attitude, it's one of Terry Gilliam's earlier movies. And the the set design, the sense of humor, the style is just over the top crazy. Yeah. Just so crazy. Um, the devil is chasing these guys who are the time bandits who have like okay. stolen this map from God of the map of all reality yeah. and they're like just going through time and space just like to steal the most valuable stuff in history and they accidentally pick up this kid yeah. uh, uh, who comes along with them on their journey uh, but the devil is chasing them because he needs the map because he, he wants to take over reality if he can get the map from these guys uh, it's so good and it's so much fun but at the end when they get to the realm of fantasy what you're describing uh, yeah. there's the the fantasy realm is constantly foggy and if you're not paying attention you can get lost you don't know where you're going if you get right. separated from your group you'll never see the rest of them again yeah and there's all kinds of crazy dreamlike things that happen they're they're out in the surface world and then they go into this underworld and it's a labyrinth but instead of being within the maze they're on top of the maze where hmm. you, you picture like a labyrinth, the walls on a labyrinth. Right. Instead of it, the the labyrinth is, you're on top of the walls and uh, it's a pit into nothingness if you fall off the walls. Oh, interesting. Yeah, it's really frightening. Yeah. Uh, in this movie, they do such a great job because 
some of them end up in a cage. Yeah. And you're trying to get them out of the cage, and you have to, like, swing this cage over this pit into nothing. Yeah. It's... I com- to- the visuals make me think, definitely think of Olgu. Oh. <laughs> Just think. <laughs> what if you, you were playing the realm of Olgu? Mm-hmm. And you... Uh, <laughs> I'm probably going to make myself myself Uh, at some uh, point tonight. uh, You know, Billy West, the voice actor, he's the voice of Fry and a bunch of other characters on Futurama, which just had their 20th anniversary, which is awesome. He got his first voice acting gig when I think it was Howard Stern or some other radio show. They said, uh, we're going to give a prize who can, whoever can do the best throw up sound. (laughs) And that's how Billy West got his voice acting career started. He did the best throw up sound. So you doing your Olgu. <laughs> That's that makes me think of Billy West. Yeah, nice. So we should do that. Let's see. Do our best Olgu throw up throughout the All rest right. of the show. And maybe if Billy West hears this, hire us, hire us, <laughs> or just like it, just just like, like it, you know, or give us some tips. Yeah, there you go. Tell I, us what we do wrong. Billy West actually started his own YouTube channel, which I'm excited to follow because it's going to be voice acting tips. Nice. Yeah, because Zoidberg is probably my favorite voice character yeah. if i could do any voice character zoidberg is the one i want to do and i yeah. cannot <laughs> I, yeah <laughs> but he's so great the he's so he's great like, i can't do it at all i can't even pretend to try to do it but he's i love that character yeah he's so good yeah all right so you were saying um so i was saying the uh uh just think we're playing the realm of shadows yeah and somehow the board's shifting Ooh. You know what I mean? Like, what yeah, if we had these, like it's almost like it's clockwork. Yeah. What if we had like these, maybe these one by one squares that made up the board or two by two squares and one, if, if, if there were two by two squares, then one of the one foot, one by one of the two by two. So it's just a quarter of it. Yeah. Would be like nothing. Just and nothing there at all. Nothing there at all. And so then every turn you roll to see how these panels shift. And you could like, if that, that nothing panel shifts where you have people, they're just gone. <laughs> oh, that's fun. I don't know. You know I like mean? that like, idea. I like the idea. I like I, um, some of my favorite D&D games. I, or when, not all of them would shift, but maybe like, you know, like, so if it's two by two, there's going to be six two by twos. Yeah. And maybe that's a D6. A D6, you roll a D6 and you shift one of the two by twos and that nothing can kind of shift. And then if your guys fall into the void, they fall into the void. Yeah. And, and, and speaking of the realm of shadow and maybe movies, they can fly to the closest, you know what I mean? Like, they have an, or they have some kind of role to say that they like leapt out of the way. Like a lot of those yeah. old eighth edition spells yeah. have that kind of thing. Like it was based on your speed or your, yeah. Right. Or everybody rolls, and if you any and 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 on six ups you you survive, and if you're flyer on four ups you survive. Yeah, or, or something like that. Something like, or you roll higher than your speed, then you're dead. Yeah, Do you know what I mean. Like yeah. if you got so if someone only has a, like a four speed, you've oh, got a ba- like, you got yeah, a good chance of dying. Yeah, so if you have a move of whatever, you can yeah. roll, and if if you if you get over the move, then yeah, so that's say, wor- that's harder, right? So if it, yeah, on sixes you. Yeah, like most people have a move of four or five. Right. So, so sixes and fives, they would, they might die. Yeah. Yeah, I think that'd be a lot of fun. In the realm of and shadow, maybe if like you fly, being... you can re-roll it. Yeah. Talking well, about if you fly, you get you usually go like twelve. But yeah. Sixes so it's like auto fails. 
Yeah, that's auto fail on a six. But if you fly, you can roll it again. Yeah, that would be fun. I love dynamic spaces in games. I love having those extra elements. Um, When talking about Dungeons and Dragons, I think Dungeons and Dragons can be the combat portion can be a slog if if it's not a dynamic situation yeah i I think just like here's a monster here's our group we're gonna fight and just like i think that's why aos if aos or warhammer any warhammer game in general if it's just like here's your army here's my army let's fight that would get boring yeah that's why you have all these different scenarios and all these different rules that you can throw in that completely changes things up these different objectives that oh man my it's only my wizard that can score points that completely yeah. changes the way I play a game in those yeah. different scenarios. So you, you have to be able to think on the fly. And one of my favorite Dungeons and Dragons scenarios that I set up, we were doing a combat phase uh, where it was supposed to be the top of Blackstaff Tower, which is a place in Waterdeep. And it was okay. our heroes meeting up with their 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 most important yeah. villain. The And I think I was playing that game. Were you playing that night when we were on until- top of that tower? You got like I, I played with you guys until you got to the tower. Oh, it like, sucks. We, we got to the tower and then I think we stopped. Yeah, for that night. And then I don't think I played the next game. The next game. Ah, well, because I I was very proud of myself for the scenario I set up for this combat. The uh, villain who had taken over the tower had somehow turned it into kind of like a uh, like a, a circus ride, like a. Okay. Almost, almost like a, a Ferris wheel, not yeah. a Ferris wheel, but like a uh, what's the one with the horses? Um, merry-go-round. Merry-go-round. He turned the top of the tower into a merry-go-round, and so the tower each round of combat would speed up, mm. and so you would have to do a, a roll. Yeah, some like athletics check or something. athletics check to stop yourself from sliding further towards the edge of the tower because uh, the tower was spinning. Oh, nice! And half of the bad guys on the tower were ghosts so they were in oh, substantial so they didn't have to worry about it, about it at yeah. all and plus you would be moving they they would be pretty much still as you were moving around so you would be vulnerable to them because you're forced into movement and they would get to take a swing at you as you went by them because they're not subject to the same movement so they're having yeah. this opportunity to just take advantage of the fact that you're just trying to hold on yeah and I kept speeding up that's I, I love that kind of like just like you're saying keep it dynamic and exciting i don't want it's not just my stats versus your stats and what do the dice do there's there's all there's layers upon layers of things that can happen and go wrong um so here's chop your mic chop my mic here's a here's an idea and i'm gonna say it here on the podcast that's it you can keep it you can take it out doesn't matter whatever but i don't want to lose this thought okay that maybe that is our thing like because we haven't really started our youtube channel for yeah. battle reports and things we've talked about how we want to do different things here and there and we want to mix stuff up and but one of the things that we could do would be we've done this whole series on realms let's start doing battle reports that are realm heavy battle reports i love not it. army heavy battle reports realm heavy battle reports who gives a shit the armies we're playing everybody has the armies everybody has the armies they're gonna watch it to see the armies great they're gonna see other channels whatever but the unique thing about this is gonna be you're watching this episode because we're fighting in 
<laughs> and you you uh you want to see what the hell is going to happen on that all goo board <laughs> and you want to know like what crazy shit we've thought up of this time yeah i and like that a lot we play the realm of life the realm of life you want to know what's going to happen and you want to see the, the the things take over and yeah you want i've got my my oryx marching to battle and oh the forest ate them yeah you know it's the realm of life the that's what happens right and we fight in akshi and it's gonna be you know the whatever yeah the lava pits are lava pits are opening up or or some like toxic gases erupt from a volcano and and strangle everyone yeah um, that was our first one, so that's for like forever ago. I yeah. don't remember exactly what we talked about. <laughs> well, it was but, you know, yeah, it was six months ago. We recorded that. That's right. fine. But you know what I mean? Like we've got all these unique things we could see on the table. Well, let's make them. Yeah, let's, I, let's record it. And they exist already in the uh, in the book. Yeah, for the realm rules. Uh, so we can like, based on what's in the realm rules, yeah. when you roll for that, there's a way that we could add. Yeah. to what's in the realm rules to make it like really bring the narrative of yeah. the realms to life. Yeah. And I think like, doesn't, doesn't the realm of beasts have um, like floating islands and stuff like that? They do. I was so excited about the, the turtle Island. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. The, the, you know, the islands. Oh, and the, and that the, the uh, worm city, yeah. the city on the back of a worm, like right. a giant worm. Right. What if all of a sudden, each of those two by twos shift and it's like all of a sudden everybody goes (laughs) and now it's like well that makes it you were here and you were going to go into the next that next quadrant or that next whatever and then all of a sudden you're like and now hey i'm over here you know like well that makes me think of mad max mm, like fury road like the um like that's your combat like you're you're all fighting in the back of this like war wagon yeah but right. you know, if you're you're all of a sudden your car shift shifts, the, yeah, you're, yeah, you're like removed from the fight, or there's different dangers, or you know, or, or you're safe from combat because your vehicle got ahead of the others. Yep. Yeah, yeah. like that having that dynamic world that you're playing in, where your position is more is not constant, but Correct. is constantly valuable. Right. You know your stats and what you're capable of doing, but. There's going to be some outside elements. Mm-hmm. And I think in AOS, they did that a little bit with who goes first. Yes. And that changes a lot of things. It really does. It can really change the game. Right. Let's add a little bit more flavor to it. And I know they've I like done that. that with some of the terrain, but um, when we've been at tournaments, they don't really play the terrain. They don't really... Yeah. Even when we play pickup games, you know, at the you know at CCG2 or wherever, like we don't really play terrain rules yeah let's do something let's i I almost i never play terrain rules i never play those the the six terrain rules never yeah but realm of beasts does it a little bit in Mm -hmm. saying hey there's going to be a beast that shows up Mm -hmm. and you know but i think we can i think that can be our thing i think we could do some battle reports that show some fantastic realm features that aren't featured in the book that we have read out of the lore and that is what has helped us mod with that table. I like that. I like that a lot to really, really explore the realms and do narrative games 
the last game I played with Mark, we intentionally um, we did Realm of Beasts, mm-hmm. and we did the uh, the number six option in the yep. menu roll for your Realm of Battle rules, um, which is you put two monsters on the table, <laughs> and whoever is closest to the monster, the other person controls the monster. Okay, uh, it was a, a blast. Oh yeah. man, it was yeah, it was a lot of fun just to have four random monsters out there and and how much different like the game is like i i threw the game because i was so worried about the monsters that i didn't play properly for the objectives and i just like because i was worried about this dragon that was in the corner that was the um the carmine dragon from from uh, forge world World. yeah I, i was using one of my reaper dragons yep and Mark got to place it, and he placed it right in my back corner. And so I was so worried about getting away from the dragon, so I didn't have to fight it. I ran away from an objective, and he was able to just fly in with his little harpies and hold the objective for, oh. you know. Yeah. And he, once he got that one objective, I was I was fighting uphill the rest of the game, and I never caught back. Yeah. Um, but like at the same thing, on the other side, like, he had uh, tons of monsters. Like, he had a, a giant... Uh, an ale guzzler gargant yep. and a chaos dragon on his side that were just like r- rampaging through his <laughs> chaos warriors. It was, it was a fun game and it's yeah. so much fun to play with that idea in mind. Yeah. And I love making terrain mm-hmm. and making terrain with these different realms in mind is so much fun. Yeah. Well, I could see like you can easily buy some of those. Um, they're, uh, cork board squares yes you know yeah like they make them like, like joanne and yeah. uh michaels and all those right. hob- like buy this you know we could have just a i got some sitting right behind you yeah like um they're totally. like yeah one foot by one foot squares yeah you could totally just start modding some of these to match different realms to kind of fill in the space and to do things like this where it's like the realm of olgu yeah is like you know shifting <laughs> Maybe the realm of beasts, like floating islands, you know? Well, with the realm of beasts, like, I want massive monster graveyards. And that's what most people do online. You see them do it. So there's um, all kinds of stuff from aquariums that you can find in, like, the Halloween stores. You can find these, like, skeletons. I've got this one skeleton in the other room I want to turn into terrain. It's a one-foot-tall human skeleton, this plastic, and I want to, like kind of sink it into some earth like it's a dead giant yeah and use it as a terrain piece oh like one of the uh what's the other realm where that um big beast comes into the center of it and it starts drawing everybody in oh wasn't that was uh shaman yeah the realm of metal shaman shaman (laughs) the realm of metal Yeah, that was, um, I can't remember what the name of the beast was, but it had a really metallic sounding name. Right. I can't remember. But you know, listen back to our previous episodes if you want to know the name of this right. monster. But yeah, it was a uh, a monster that had, was a, like a metallic property to it. Yeah, yeah. and it was like, drawing, like a magnetic. magnetically pooling, some load griffin. Yeah, that's it, yeah. And, uh, uh, and it was like drawing things into the center of it. and But all that's to say... There's giant giants. There's yeah. giants of giants. Yeah. And like you said, like taking that skeleton and modding him to be part of the terrain. It's like, yeah, yeah this long time ago, there was these beasts that people went around and killed and they're not around anymore. 
I can't remember if it was the realm of life or the realm of beasts, but there's a story about that we covered in one of the previous episodes about one particular giant that was so huge. It was like taller than mountains. The Hemat or something. Yeah. That that it like it ate and ate and ate until it couldn't eat anymore. And then it died because it ate so much. And when it died, it exploded. And what exploded out of it was just like hundreds of giants. Right. Smaller giants. Yeah. Smaller giants. So like only like instead of being a, a skyscraper, they're only like, right. You know, 40 story buildings, right. you know. Uh, Algu talking about. Uh, one of the things that comes up in all of the imagery are these floating pillars and these floating, like, mm. pyramid shapes that are chained in place. And one of the main things that's part of the lore of both the realm of shadow and the realm of light is that they have captured Slanesh. Oh. And this is, uh, we're just before there's a new big Slanesh miniature release that's happening. From Adepticon? Yeah, so there's going to be a new wave of Slanesh demons that are mm. about to come out in miniatures. And the video they've released for it is that there's been an awakening and that um, Slanesh is struggling within his bonds. And the. All the elves, it used to be the light elves and the dark elves, and then there was also the wood elves, these three right. factions of elves. They've, the unruly elves. Yes. <laughs> wood elves. <laughs> they've, they've, in the Age of Sigmar, they've bound together, and the thing with Slanesh is that the demon Slanesh is obsessed with elves and saying that the souls of elves for Slanesh are the most delicious of souls. they're the most beautiful. Yes, they're beautiful and they're the most delicious. There's an amazing movie called Witch, and it's oddly spelled. It's spelled V-V-I-T-C-H, Okay, but it's uh, the, the Witch. Are you familiar with this movie? No. It's a horror film. It's fantastic. It's all based on american folklore about witches from okay. like you know yeah the, the 15th 16th century yeah like the salem witch trials all that kind of stuff yeah, no. the entire movie is just all these different legends about witches that people actually believed at the time right and this story played out like it's a, a real story from that but at one point uh one of the characters thinks that satan is talking to them and satan says you know he's like trying to seduce this person is it would wouldst thou like to live deliciously? Oh, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it was, mm. it's such a great line. And so uh, there's all kinds of stuff you can find. Like Haley makes jewelry, and one of the things she sells a lot is this like uh, slogan saying "Live deliciously." <laughs> uh, but nice. that's that's Slanesh. Slanesh is yeah. that seductor, and Slanesh loves the soul of elves. So when the old world ended, Slanesh gobbled up all these elf souls and right. so now that it's the age of sigmar the elf gods malyrian um tyrian teclas um and marathi who's not mm-hmm. technically a god but they work together and they bound slanesh and he's trapped in this negative space in between the realm of shadows okay. uh <laughs> and heish the realm of light all right He's trapped in the space between these two yin and yang forces, and he's chained there, and uh, the big fear is that he will escape. Uh, but they, while he's chained, the elves are stealing from his belly. They're stealing these elf souls mm. back from him. 
So that's why the Daughters of Cain look the way they do. You see the Daughters of Cain with the, the bat wings and the Daughters of Cain with the snake bodies. Oh, uh, yeah. They're, they're the ones that have been recovered, but they're tainted by Slanesh. Yeah. That's why they've they, been there long enough that they've started to form into other yeah, they've got shapes de- and beings. And yeah, they've got this demonic appearance to them because right. they've been tainted by Slanesh. And that's yeah. why Marathi... When you see Marathi's true form, she has these giant wings and this snake body. She's like this dragon woman. Right. Because she's been tainted by Slanesh. Yeah. Because isn't it like when Malerian found her, she was like halfway between, she kept shifting between like human and well, she, human, but like she, she has human-like form. Illusion magic. Monster And she, she uses her illusion magic to hide her true form. Okay. And that's a big part of what the realm of shadow is about. It's the realm of illusions. And there's, there's things that in the realm of shadow that look like one thing, but they're not necessarily what you think they are. Right. Yeah. Yeah, there is the reunion between mother and son, full of recriminations. Neither trusted the other. <laughs> and the scars of their former sins and betrayals were not fully healed. Yeah. But in this foreign land... They at least understood one another. It's a true AOS soap opera. Yes, it is. <laughs> the mother Don't and son. I trust you, nope. but I must be with you. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, that's that's uh, Marathi, who, if you're thinking about the Arthur legend, you can call her Aunt Mom. <laughs> Aunt Mom. Uh, so talking yeah. about doing the modeling on the table and how you would build a table based on this realm. Yeah. I know well, I kind of jumped into that a little bit. Already. No, no, no. Like we, let's go like, let's just keep exploring like through the flow of our thought process. Yeah. Uh, it's all these floating pillars, these floating um, diamond shaped pyramid things that are chained together. That's how the uh, elves have encircled Slanesh. So these diamond-shaped pillars and these chains just go where? They uh, just attach to each other or to the earth, and the pillars are floating. So there's this one objective set that came out not too long ago that okay. had an example of this in there. Okay. One of the objectives yep. was, yeah, you know the one I'm talking about. Yep. It was uh, like a, a pillar of rock that's floating, and these oh. chains are holding mm-hmm. it to the ground. Yeah. So when you see any of these images about Slanesh, that um, this this he's a shadow. You don't ever see images okay. of Slanesh. You yeah. just see images of these elf wizards in this like limbo, like spending their their entire lifespan with these incantations to keep these pillars in place to keep Slanesh in place. Gotcha. Yeah. So okay. there's like an army of elf wizards. Just yeah. Their entire existence is just to keep Slaneth. Slanesh mm. uh, enslaved. So, two things. One, I could see kind of this ever-changing void of you don't want to get lost in the you don't want to get lost in the mist. Yes. Because things will take you. Yes. So I could see that being a shifting thing on the table. The mist travels the table and if it travels into how would your you section, how would you vision if you were going to make something that represented the mist what would you make well at first i was thinking kind of the idea like you were saying like on top of the labyrinth not in the labyrinth 
Yeah. And maybe there's this space. This just a negative void, space. This like negative you, you just, space. Just, just like a black, you could use like not a black sheet of paper, but something along those yeah. lines. It's just like completely blank. Yeah. Or, uh, yeah. And then, and then if that shifts, if that square turns, and that's what mm. I, all I was thinking was you have a two by two section mm-hmm. and all it does is turn. Yeah. And if it turns, then if you're inside that void, then you have to roll for it. Yeah. You know, and if you're not, you're not, but mm-hmm. obviously if, and then, it, and then as it's static there during the round, if you move through the void, you have to take the test or things like that. So yeah, you're trying there, to avoid this sort of, now it's become like a terrain piece that you have to try to avoid yeah. almost, you know? And there's a mechanic in the uh, realm of shadow rules where you can go off a table edge and reappear on a different table edge mm. that's already there, but you have to make a roll. And if you fail the roll, you just disappear yeah. into the shadows. Yeah, This could be that same kind of thing. Yeah, so it's something like that. But now talking about these chains and these pillars, one thing from, you know, the the Gloom Spite Gets um, book is that there's that that moon that's traveling the board, and if you're in that sort of region of the moon, then you're getting special abilities. Mm-hmm. So I wonder too if it's like if you model some of these chains and floating pillars. What if you're within that sort of like uh, pillar with, you know, pillar with the uh, uh, the chain with the floating pillar? Is there any sort of energy that's kind of yeah. created around that? Yeah, there would that, have to that's be affecting you or affecting mm-hmm. your enemy or whatnot. Yeah. And how does that shift? How does that change? I don't I like know. that. Like, do those are those pillars kind of floating around? Maybe it's. Maybe there's like, maybe we drop um, uh, four of those down mm-hmm. or two, maybe two, one on each end or like kind of like halfway in on each end kind of thing. And yeah, and they're and they're just turning and each turn they kind of like hit different quadrants of the board or something. Yeah. And, and then that affects those quadrants. I like that. I, I think that would be a lot of fun. It would look really cool. I've been thinking for a while now about how I would recreate these pillars with the chains. Mm. And I haven't figured out a, a way to make the chains that I really like. But the pillars, I was thinking about getting just some some uh, some of that pink foam. Yeah, and just, just shaping it down into a baroque. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Just into those those rock shapes, gluing four pieces together, and then just kind of yeah, just like the oblong. I would like to recreate what they have in that terrain kit. Yeah, but bigger, but much bigger. Yeah, I'm just trying to think like there's got to be some like Halloween esque, um, uh, Halloween like like decorations for your house that are like these chain links, these like plastic chain links, and if you got something like those and somehow like glued them in place to where they were like now a pole. Yeah. I was thinking about wrap it around that or something. You could do like those, the same kind of small chains, but do like hot glue and where the hot glue, you have it. So the hot glue drips and then you paint it. Like it's like dripping magic coming off of it. Like you mm-hmm. think about Harry Potter when he casts his spells, it's all this like liquid metal looking stuff dripping off of his yeah. spells. Uh, his like when he does his expelliarmus and oh okay uh, yeah yeah you know what I mean yeah like when that one moment that I think of is um in the end of uh, when he first has his confrontation with Voldemort 
Oh, and it's just like the two the two beams of energy and, like and it's like filling. Yeah, just dripping gushing. with like looks like liquid metal yeah. coming off of both of them. Uh, yeah, that's what I think of with these chains with this like liquid metal coming off these chains. That's the magic as these chains are holding up these like mm. pillars and the pillars are what's trapping everyone. Yeah. And so it's dripping mat that magic down onto whoever's in that area. Yeah. Yeah, you could be caught in would this that be shadow like magic. Benefit or would that hurt you? I think it would be one of those uh well, it would just be one of those terrain like pieces it depends. On a 1? Sorry. Yeah. On a 2 to 5. Okay. On a 6 like What's um Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Fuck yeah. yeah. <laughs> the new six every time you roll the six fuck yeah fuck yeah <laughs> <laughs> uh but, but that's that's what i want to do i want to make a bunch of these so i've got the one table it's like right being sitting right behind yep. you now that's like my go-to game table yeah that i want it to be this generic grassland village but mm-hmm. depending on what else we put on the table will tell you what realm you're in mm. and so for the realm of death there's gonna be a bunch of graveyards realm of beasts there's going to be a bunch of like giant Mm -hmm. dragon skeletons and different skeletal beasts the realm of life there's tons of undergrowth um but realm of shadow there'd be these floating pillars everywhere yeah or um i like to take the citadel woods and instead of doing them with a typical realistic earth wood scheme i would do it with like a very kind of gray unnatural gray trees mm, do you know what i mean make yeah. them yeah like really like like these aren't there aren't actual trees they're these like shadow creatures almost you know these like yeah. gray they look like they're blue dead. trees they're not, dead. they're not dead they're not they're something else yeah yeah that's what i would do i would do a lot of those and a lot of these floating pillars and it'd be like a very alien landscape yeah. Not something familiar or known. Very alien. And I could see using more of the, for buildings in this area, I could see using more of 40K, not the industrial type buildings, but more mm-hmm. of that 40K style. Oh, more yeah. More dreamlike. You know what I mean? Not like something you would see in the real world. Something more mm-hmm. fantastic. Yeah. That's what I could see doing for Olgu, the Realm of Shadow. i uh just to share uh spooky empire was recently oh okay yeah yeah it was it was a great time uh except that on that first day i uh had too much to drink oh and i had you went you uh experienced the realm of shadow i I experienced a little uh (laughs) i had probably one of the worst hangovers of my entire 40 something life uh, i it was so bad oh and i it's what if i finish drinking and i'm about to go to bed and i throw up that's a bad night i had a bad time yeah if i wake up the next day and i have to throw up i did something horribly horribly wrong <laughs> If I throw up the next day, yeah. I have I have you're, like you wake up drunk and you're throwing up. Yeah, I have caused some serious <laughs> harm to myself. So this is one of those days where I uh, the dog woke me up uh, at like four in the morning, oh. and so and then I walked the dog and, and I'm you, like and you and you felt like I haven't even slept a wink. I, and I'm not. I'm like well, I'm walking the dog. Everything's fine. And then I'm like stumbling. I'm like 
what? Uh oh, <laughs> I'm still drunk. It's four in the morning. I'm still drunk. Uh, and then I went back to bed and I woke up and I got like maybe an hour into my day trying to get ready for my day. And I'm supposed to be helping Haley because she's selling her jewelry. Yeah. Uh, but no, I, I like I threw up so hard <laughs> and I'm like I'm trying to help her out and I help her get set up and I'm, I'm bringing her stuff and because we stayed at the hotel too for Spooky Empire and I'm, I'm bringing her stuff I'm helping her set up I'm like oh I'm, I gotta throw up again I'm gonna leave and so we're in the back of this hotel and so I'm walking down this like employee back back area yeah. corridor and as I'm walking I'm like oh I, it's not like I might throw up I'm gonna throw up and so I start walking like I'm doing that like fast, fast walk so. like speed walker like Olympic speed walker down this yeah. hallway <laughs> I make it out the back door and I get to this spot. And like, I don't think anybody could see me where I'm behind this hotel. And I like projectile vomit. <laughs> it's so bad. And all I've had all morning is water. Yeah. So I'm just throwing up. Liquid. I throw up like a gallon of like water, clear water. I'm just throwing it up. And as I'm throwing up, I'm looking like right next to me. And there's one of those like uh, industrial outdoor ash- ashtrays. Oh, yeah. Yeah. You know, like yep, the big yep. column ones. And I'm doing that, and then I look over my shoulder, and there's all these people on their break. <laughs> oh. I'm like, I'm, I'm throwing up right next to their ashtray as they're like on their smoke break. It's just water, guys. It's You're just, okay. oh, seriously, it's not that bad. <laughs> and there's like a like a hose nearby. I'm like, I'm sure this will clean up real easy. <laughs> they're all just like on their break, just watching me just oh, hurl in their man. break area. So yeah. Ooh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah, so Realm of Shadow. That's great. Yeah. Oh man. You know what? When I'm forty, I I want to be doing the same thing. <laughs> I will do my best to help you okay. achieve this goal. <laughs> <laughs> we're I mean, we're only like eight years apart. Don't like don't make it make that big a deal. No, I know. I just want to say it. It's like, you know, it's, it's a great story. It it's is like, a great it, story. It's a great story. And I'm sure your daughter will love that idea of you. <laughs> yes. <laughs> the same thing. I don't have kids. I don't have anyone to disappoint. <laughs> oh, gotcha. You know, it's more like I just want to, I want you to know what real life is going to be like. Yeah. This is like, <laughs> hey, you want to have a good time? If you don't uh, do your chemistry you measurements what, correctly. You want to yeah. know what it was like to, um, to, 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 to have that sort of style kept from you for so long yeah so there i grew up in west virginia which was really the part of west virginia that was really close to dc was it like a dry county where you grew up no okay not at all but it was just it was really it was the part of west virginia that panhandle that sticks out towards dc and then we're so we're only like 80 miles from dc Mm -hmm. so what all that means is there was the you know the 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 dc 101 chili cook-off oh so (laughs) howard stern started as a as a radio guy from there from dc the channel dc that's, that's funny because the when i was just talking about with billy west he got to start with howard stern doing yeah. that throw-up voice yeah so uh so i wasn't there when or i would when i was in high school it wasn't when howard stern was there it was the next guy and uh elliot in the morning or something like that and he uh but anyway so they would do this chili cook-off every year and they would like block off the street downtown Washington D.C. and the they would have a band, they would bands play and uh, like all day long and um, like good bands you know and 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 then they would have this chili cook off. Um, so we were gonna go, 
but I went to go stay at my friend's house the night before. And then we were like more friends were going to meet up the next day and go out to the chili cook-off. Yeah. So that night before I had, you know, in high school I had been drinking just a little bit. Yeah. And, but I, you know, when I'd gotten there, that's the first time I had ever seen a triple shot glass. Oh, which is weird because you're like, yeah, whatever. Like, of course they make triple shot glasses. Of course, why not? Why not? And but I was like, triple shot glass. Psh, I can do that. <laughs> so like, whatever. It was rum is what they had. So bam, triple shot rum down. And then my friend was like, whoa, triple shot. And then my other because there was three friends there. The other friend was like, what? I didn't see. And I was like, well, I'll show you. Oh, you you did the same thing again. Bam. You did not make him do it. Third friend. What? I'll show you. But of course it's not going to hit me yet. No, you haven't felt the first one. Bam. Three triple shots within 20 minutes. Yeah, essentially, Easily. like, it's pretty much, you just had nine rum and Cokes. Correct. Yes. Apparently, I was like, I had woken up that night at some point, thrown up on the floor. I had, like maybe helped clean it up i don't know (laughs) (laughs) the next day was classic of course woke up drunk yep and because who know who knows what else i had after you don't know after that and then all the way into the chili cook-off like i think it was till like one or two that next day like i was feeling it and still the same thing i wasn't up to like traveling the booths and having all the chili no that sucks like i i like there's there is a science to it and i used to have it down to a science and i think i've lost my science most like most of the time i'm good but when it's one of those special occasions where you like save up for a long time and like i just don't have the same savvy i had yeah there's there's a pinnacle of drinking savviness yes and some people can achieve that pinnacle and some people cannot And I've achieved that pinnacle, and then I've tapered off a little bit. Uh, I see. Where I'm at right now, I cannot... You just have to pace yourself properly. That's it. You have to to know your limits. You do. And more because of that. Yep. Night. Mm -hmm. Uh, There there actually is some rum I'll drink. I'll drink dark rum. Yeah. But I I can't drink like Captain Morgan's just off-the-shelf rum. Yeah. The clear stuff. Yep. To me, that's come from the realm of... <laughs> but you're right. It's the same thing. Like I know you can't, you can't, I can't, uh, I can't, can't mix too much liquor after I've started drinking beer. Your I body, can't do it. your body is a chemistry set. Yeah, you know you, what you put into your body affects your body's chemistry, and that that changes constantly. Right. Even if you don't put anything other than just food and water in your body, your body chemistry can fluctuate. Oh yeah, you know, depending on how much sleep you've had and like how much work you've done and how much exercise you've had. Your body chemistry can be a very sensitive thing. And so then you throw in like these hazardous chemicals, like poison, flammable liquids. (laughs) You throw these into your body. It can like, it can really make a big difference. So it's important to to pace yourself, know your limits. And speaking from my own experience and your own experience, like it's better to be not buzzed and have a good time than to have too much alcohol and have a great time that you don't remember exactly yeah and till the midday next day you are regretting yes and the people taking their smoke breaks are regretting as well <laughs> oh my god the the one guy says hey i i saw you i saw you throwing up over there how you doing and i said you know i 
I think I had too much last night. And they and then we all had a good laugh together and I apologized and they said, Don't worry, we're gonna hose it off. And I'm like, okay, good. Right, and then I great, went back to the hotel. And but it really it on a three day weekend, my entire Saturday was ruined because yeah. I just It's an imbalance. I mixed, it's a chemical imbalance yep, that whole day. The entire you day feel off. I couldn't I couldn't keep food down. Yeah. I couldn't do anything. I was useless. So I ruined my own vacation because of that. But and and you know, at this age I've I've been there as a kid. I think at this point I should know better. But it was uh, you, you're having a good time, and then it's it's all about making the choices as far as like mixing certain alcohols. I know that yeah. if I'm drinking hard liquor, I can't drink beer. No, you cannot. I cannot like mix a beer in here and there. Right. No, 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 Correct. no. That's it. If I'm if it's a whiskey night, it's a whiskey night. It's a, yeah, yeah. It's this, that's what that's what it is. What's that tub thumper? He drinks a whiskey leak. He drinks a vodka drink. He just. You know the you remember that song? No. Chumbawamba? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, I know Chumbawamba, but... Yeah, I thought the song was called Tub Thumper or something. Oh, and how did it go? I don't know. He so, drinks the whiskey drink. He drinks the vodka drink. He drinks it. Yeah, anyway. Oh. And then... <laughs> Pissing the night oh, away. Oh, okay, gotcha. Yep. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> nice. Oh, okay, yeah. Huh. All right, was that good? No, it was awful. It was an awful waste of time. I apologize to everyone. No, no, I just... I, I, I uh, I don't know if I've ever actually re- listened to the words of that song. Yeah, that's it. it that's, <laughs> the song is all about people having too much to drink and ruining their night. Yeah, yeah, that's great. Yeah. Uh, so all right, well, uh, we talked kind of about the realm of shadow. Yeah, what is did. it called? All goo. Uh, so why don't we take a break and then talk about the rules? Sure. It was into Ulgu that many elven spirits fled after being rescued from Selenesh's endless thirst for souls. The first to be drawn from the gods' immense gluttonous shade were those straining to be free. Those elves most nimble of thought and razor sharp of wit. Back from our break. So during our break, the subject of Dungeons and Dragons came up, and we were talking about uh, group dynamics a Mm -hmm. little bit. So what was it you were just saying about, uh, you said you would talk to Matt, who's our dungeon master in our current campaign? Yeah, well, so I'm a a half-orc druid, and I uh, I align as uh, neutral, so I'm not like um, lawful good. You're true neutral. That's what I. That's why I try to play. Yeah. So sometimes when people are really getting into like whether this is the right thing to do or whether this is the wrong thing to do, I'm kind of indifferent. I I feel like I'm indifferent about it. I'm like, well, I don't really care to do it because it's good Mm -hmm. necessarily because of what you're saying. Um, But although I'm neutral, neutral. I feel like, because that's what I, I, I said I'm aligned as. Yeah. So I'm trying to play the part. So I, when I say like I'm neutral, I'm neutral, that doesn't mean I don't have things I like or want or things that I think are important to me. Yeah. And so one of the things, um, you know, we ran into was we're playing through the campaign and as, you know, I'm seeing animals in a way suffering yeah. as a druid i turn into animals and as a druid i i i 
took on as a persona that I I like animals and so I tried to like befriend animals. So that's like one of my magic abilities is animal friendship. Yeah. speak with animals and different things like that. So I feel like I'm drawn to that. Yeah. And then when I see the animals hurt, I'm like, "Oh, that hurts me." Mhm. And so I was trying to play the persona of although I'm neutral, if I see an animal in pain, animals I do like and I don't want to see animals suffer. Yeah. To to be neutral doesn't mean you're without emotion or without desires. Yeah. Yeah. And the the those not familiar with the Dungeons and Dragons concept of alignment, there's the lawful good, lawful neutral, lawful evil, neutral good, true neutral, neutral evil, and chaotic good. Right. Chaotic neutral and chaotic evil. So true neutral is usually uh associated with people that are in like the thieves or like people that are they're just concerned with their own self-interest yeah that's true neutral you're not you don't want to hurt anyone but you're not like in the game to help anyone either you're in the game for your own interests. but if your own interests are the preservation uh or of like you don't want unnecessary harm you know that's a very correct yeah and you can create friends Yes. Being a true neutral, Absolutely. you can create friends. And so I feel like with my character, my friends are our group. They're an extension of yourself. Exactly. And so what hurts my group hurts me. Mm-hmm. And if I'm truly friends with my group, then I am concerned about their well-being. But that doesn't necessarily mean I'm lawful good. Yeah. Or that I'm chaotic good just because I'm looking out for the well-being of my party. Mm-hmm. It's more like when we get into these situations and the person goes, the person we're dealing with says, well, but this is affecting blah. Then I'm like, well, but I don't know you. Yeah. And I don't really understand why that affects me yeah. and my group. Yeah. So how I'm does concerned that about us? my group. Yeah. That, and, 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 and how, you know what I mean? Like, it's a fun, like, uh, like a macro political application to look at our own American politics or you're thinking about Brexit and that kind of thing. Like, yeah. um, the, 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 the neutral concept applied to Brexit versus like a, like a universal yeah. greater good staying in the EU. It, it, you can see how that like alignment ethical concept can be applied to a lot of real world right. situations. Right. And that, that that isn't necessarily a reflection of me as a person. In no, no, life, no, no, no. But um, I'm trying. But I'm trying to play that in this, and so it's interesting for me to. I'm a very extroverted person, mm-hmm. and so sometimes I'll actually sit back and let something unfold because I don't have any. I don't have the personal investment into something that our Paladin. Uh, mm-hmm. would have so right. our, our paladin would be like well but we've got to do this because he's lawful good he's lawful good and mm-hmm. and it's like maybe well, maybe but it depends well, on how if you, play you guys it. want to then fine i'll do it because you want to but if 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 you're asking me mm-hmm. i don't think we i don't think that necessarily includes us you know what i mean like I so do. so we were in this situation where we're in this place we're seeing wrongdoing happening to... And this is our Curse of Strahd campaign. Correct. We're in Curse of Strahd. Animals are being, you know, uh, a form, you know, some form of that are being uh, oppressed. And to me, I felt like... Which was this scenario? Uh, this most recent one that we had. So where we're f- going through the Abbey. Oh, yes. Yes. And I'm, to me... 
I felt concerned with the state of what I was seeing as and we that were going makes through the Abbey. Complete sense how you reacted the way you did. And so I'm like messaging the DM, like, hey, like, you know, I'm having these feelings. <laughs> <laughs> my my dad uh, after that last session. So what yeah. what did you do as 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 the uh, shape shifting druid who right. was concerned about these half human, half animal creatures that were trapped yes. in this abbey. So we make it through the abbey and we do what we've come to do. Mm-hmm. And we, we got the treasure and the exactly the, the diary we were looking for. Right, and we we turn around and we realize there's nothing left for us here to do. Mm-hmm. So our goal is to exit. Yep, and but we've seen some atrocities while we've been here. Well, to some. And maybe to some to, to to some others, it wasn't an atrocity. But to me, I felt as my character, I am concerned. I'm concerned with animals, and what I saw here was an atrocity of somebody messing with animals and humans together, and they were creating um, a a bad environment yeah. for them. If you're not familiar with the story, it's uh, kind of like the island of Dr. Moreau, where mm. it's this uh, this society of half-human, half-animal misfits that are just, like, monsters kept in cages. Right. Um, experiments. Experiments. But this is their life. Yeah. And so, to me, freedom was the only humane response. And so, as we all were deciding how we were going to escape, are we going to try to just escape quietly so we don't you know incur the wrath of of the abbot mm-hmm. are we trying to you know are we going to make a scene and say hey we're, we're we're done here and we're leaving and blah 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 so i decided to turn into a rhinoceros <laughs> and there was this corridor. a very subtle choice exactly and there was a corridor that we had passed that had a series of like eight different rooms and each room that we had visited, we only mid- visited a quarter of them. Were was bad. Yeah, it was it was not good scenario. And so I put I assumed that every scenario was bad. Mm-hmm. So when we left, I just kind of, kind of just bounced like pong, just pink, punk, pink, just every door that I could hit on my way out, I just crushed to free whatever creature was on the other side and uh which was awesome right but it was kind of like everybody's like what are we gonna do and it was like this is what i'm gonna do yeah and some people had jumped on my back yeah as some slow going people yeah the jamie the halfling yeah she's up there yep so the halfling and 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 the young wizard hopped up on my back Mm -hmm. and we we rode and they didn't know what i was doing but i did it anyway and we were one of the first out the door yeah uh, your dad, mm-hmm. the ranger. Yep, he was the first out the door because he's pretty quick. Yeah, and swift. Um, but uh, anyway, so it was just we were talking about you know the dynamic of the group and who decides what's to do and 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 who aligns with what. And I just felt like, although I neutral, this this just bothered me. Yeah, and so this, I, is this why doesn't mean I you just, don't have a a moral compass. Yeah. You know, you have. I, and, and I really love the D&D alignment concept because it allows us to explore a lot of complicated moral ethical issues. Yeah. You know, and see how it applies in the real world. Yeah. And realizing, like, how am I really 
like in, in a D&D term, how am I really aligned and how do I think I should be aligned and how do I how do I uh, excuse or rationalize certain behaviors from our government or from companies I work for? Yeah. You know, yeah. like, am I really comfortable with how things are going if I still want to call myself a good person? Yeah. You know, and, and, and I think um, it's interesting to, to play those parts that you've chosen. Yes. Yeah. It forces you to look on that side of it and hopefully you're kind of trying to diversify a little bit. Mm -hmm. And I feel like we've done that well in our group. I think so. I think we do have a very diverse group. I think that my character is this swashbuckling elf yeah, who is definitely not uh, in the lawful alignment. He does right. not care about laws, but he's very, a, a very uh, conscious of, of uh, the suffering of others. And yeah. uh, he does have a moral code yeah so i could see someone playing this character as lawful but really he doesn't care about any laws other than his own laws you know yeah so you what, know, his moral his own moral code what have you aligned yourself as well i originally wrote myself down as neutral good hmm. this is beyond my elf swashbuckler yes. he uh he definitely aligns when i think of the alignments i think of him as neutral good where he's not worried about any particular law or government he's only his only concern is a greater good and he's not adventuring to serve anyone other than himself yeah so that feels very neutral to me and it could lean towards true neutral but i continue to find myself playing this character in these moral quandaries and when he's in these moral quandaries he continues to want to help the innocent help the vulnerable stop the evil stop the oppressor so i do think he's definitely a neutral good character but good is definitely part of his alignment i want he consistently wants to help the downtrodden i think it like as a character develops yeah i picture him in his arc if he continues to live i do see him in some kind of like government leadership hmm. role where he'll yeah. eventually his his entire job will not like he's not like a swashbuckler anymore but his his purpose will still be to protect the innocent like if han solo survived and didn't go to smuggling for the rest of his life yes if if if, if uh if episode seven was better written yeah <laughs> yes yes <laughs> uh but like yeah uh you know coming from the Timothy Zahn, yep, uh, amazing books about you know what happened to the core group uh, in Star Wars yeah. after Return of the Jedi, where they all like yeah. continued in their role in uh, the, that was a weak story for Han Solo in Force Awakens. Like it was. Ugh. I just went back to being a smuggler. I went back to what I knew because I couldn't get along. Well, I my could. Boy was bad. I could if if we had gotten a little if we gotten a bigger picture of what he did before Ben Solo went rogue. Yeah. If we knew what Han Solo was doing for society, yeah. was he Senator Solo? Do you know what I mean? Was yeah. he was he something more? What what did he do for those, you know, 30 years? You yeah. know, between the end of Return of the Jedi and then uh, right. Force Awakens. What what was his 
journey during that time. I would like right. to know that. Yeah, that's a lot of time. That's a lot of time, and uh, for you know, it was, and they they make it fairly clear that it was only after Ben turned to the dark side that he he separated from Leia. Yeah, that's the way it seemed. Yeah, and so how long had he been separated? Five years? Two years? Who knows? Yeah, there's no way for us to know. Yeah. It's not there, and it's, uh, unless there's a. Did they do a, a novelization? Because I read all the novelizations of the prequels. Yeah, but I don't remember seeing anything on the shelves. They have done some novels, but I don't. Okay, I don't. Ugh, I'm sorry, I don't know. I don't know either. I should look it up because yeah. I'm hoping there's something in there that tells us what happens a between bit, Return yeah. of the Jedi and Force Awakens. Yeah, because I do like the thought of, you know, General Solo. General Han Solo, yeah, as he was known after, right? You know, Return of the Jedi. Uh, you know what? What did he do between Return of the Jedi and Force Awakens? You right. know, what was his journey? Yep, to go and be essentially being the same character we met in uh, the Episode Four. Yeah, you know, like yeah. the same guy who's just like some random smuggler. Yeah. So yeah, talking about anyway, alignments. So D and D. Uh, well, okay. What, what did your dad? So your dad, what did he, Talbot do, or what did he say? What he said what was, was he he in general uh, thinks of stealth as his first option. His character is uh, kind of a paramilitary, yeah, uh, real Earth right. paramilitary special forces character who's been dropped into this fantasy world, and his idea was strategically to just sneak out. There's yep. no reason to cause a fuss. Nope. Let's leave. And when you trans your character transformed into a rhino and literally like disrupt just like destroyed everything he could on his way out the door, it was a shock to him because he felt like it created a lot of conflict that didn't need to happen. Yeah. Um, so that I thought that was really interesting. Yeah. And like, my character uh, was also and in a I left you behind. Like, That's fine. Uh, I my character was. Uh, I, I think my character as a, uh, if you're familiar with Dungeons and Dragons, he's a battle master. It's the type of fighter mm -hmm. who's all about uh, strategy and having uh, a solution for every situation. Okay. And uh, he's a dex dexterity-based fighter, so he's, he doesn't have a lot of strength, but he's very fast and cunning and uh, agile. And so he can get out of a lot of situations. So it's even though he doesn't have a lot of strength, it's really hard to hurt him because okay. he can avoid so much damage. He's got right. a high AC and he has this parry ability where he can reduce damage done to him. Uh, so my whole point, like my whole purpose in here is like, are, okay, we're leaving. I'm, just, I'm not going to fight anyone. I'm just going to get out, dodge, yeah. parry, exit. Uh, so that's what I was doing. I was frustrated, and I, I do want to take this up with Matt, and this is not a criticism. It is a criticism of Matt and his <laughs> master choices. So, Matt, I love you. I love you so much. Uh, I kept trying to come up with, and I think this is something between me and Matt, our own our, our relationship, because we are so close, and I love this guy so much. Um, I kept trying to come up with funny ways to stop the villain from pursuing us, and it was yeah. this golem, this, like, flesh animated flesh monster kind of like a frankenstein that has no persona mm -hmm. it's just this like animated monster made out of flesh um 
I kept like, ah, oh, let's tie a rope around it. Oh, let's put a like a, a big uh, soup pot on its on head. head. Yeah. 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 Do, trying to come up with all these funny ways to like these situations where like, hey, we can just like not fight it, you know? And, and then I, I do these things and Matt's like, so yeah, he takes it off. I'm like, <laughs> oh, well, okay, I'll do this and this. It'll be fun. You're like, uh, no, no, he just takes it off. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, oh, all right, <laughs> fine. That's not... Uh, I thought there'd be more. I thought there'd be a lot more fun. It's a great opportunity for us to improv together, you know. Because like D and D for me, I love improv. You know, I love uh, improv acting and like the whole yes and concept. I love the yes and. Uh, So I didn't feel like we had our our yes and moment (laughs) this last session. Uh, But anyway, so we're uh, now have to fight. Not uh, no curse of strat spoilers. The person in charge of the abbey is yeah. a particularly dangerous creature okay and we're gonna have to face this particularly Ooh. dangerous and i'm dangerous not a big D person so mm-hmm. i don't know yet how dangerous this person is it's pretty high up there on the okay. scale of dangerous creatures all right uh yeah i don't want to spoil it because i think you could play curse of strahd and, and, and there are spoilers to be had with this game um so that's why i haven't read the book yeah, you know the curse of Strahd is out there, and I'm sure it's going to be super entertaining. And for a person that wants to occasionally dungeon master, it's got to be really hard to avoid reading this book. And just in general, I was talking to Matt recently about the last supplement that came out it was all about Waterdeep, hmm. and uh, which is an amazing uh, Dungeons and Dragons city. And then there's the ruins of Undermountain, which is this like vast um, labyrinth underneath underneath this major city. And uh, there are two supplements that just came out, all these stories and adventures based around it. And I had this conversation with Matt about that, where um, he wants to read it right away. But I right. I want to, at some point, run it. Because we're mm. currently, we've been doing over the, when we had our last group, we were running that adventure yeah. based on old supplements. Yeah. And so I want to kind of, revive that but then then here we are if if he reads it yeah he's got he's got spoilers if but if i never run it and he doesn't read it he never gets to know anything about it if he reads it and i do run it you know what i mean so it's an awkward situation where like he i'd be surprised if he hadn't already read it even though we talked about it yeah yeah, yeah, yeah because it's really fascinating yeah. material and i read all this stuff um in the 90s as a teenager because i was the only one dming for our group yeah. um i bought and read everything i could if i had money in my pocket i was buying something yeah. D related and reading it yeah i didn't have to worry about spoilers because i was the one you were the dm i was a dm um but to go back and forth between between being a player and a, and gotta, a dungeon master take turns it's tough it is tough because you to like even now, knowing we're gonna face this major monster in the next yeah session, I'm having a really hard time not looking up the stats. Yeah. <laughs> what I found really fascinating too, Matt is in this other group and he was talking about they have to face in his last session, uh, this was St. Patrick's Day, uh, that morning they were gonna face the Demogorgon. Yeah, uh, which is famous, made famous right. by Stranger Things. Right. And so the stats for the Demogorgon, he's like, hey, here's the stats for the Demogorgon. I'm like, what are you looking at the stats for? You got to fight this thing. And he's yeah. like, 
yeah, I gotta fight the things. That's why I'm looking at the stats. I'm like, what? You're right. Would your character know the stats? Yeah, if you if you're playing a character that's an expert on monsters, like in uh, you think about How to Train Your Dragon. Right, but like the movie uh, How to Train Your Dragon. Yeah, they had a like a monster manual for dragons in that movie. Right, where people knew the stats for the dragons. Right, that makes sense. Correct. But if does your character have that book? Does your character know these stats? Correct. If they don't, then if you they don't, don't need to be looking at the stats. No, because then you're cheating. Yeah. You know, you're you're actually you're actively cheating because you know how to beat the monster. It's not something that evolves from the game. It's from your player knowledge. Yeah. It's yeah, so- Matt. <laughs> but that. But then, unless you're a really good role player, talking about role playing, uh, to have your role player knowledge versus your character knowledge, you know, like to be able to, I know if I do this, my character will die. But I know that my character doesn't know this. I know that my character would do it. So Same I have way. right. I have to do what my I know my right. character would choose to do. It's right. like um like I knew the best thing to do would be to sneak out of the abbey. Yeah. You I knew, knew it. Sneak was best. I couldn't your character no couldn't do it. I um Quill in uh, Avengers Infinity War. Yep. Quill You'd have to know if he was out of the situation. Would know, hey, just get the gauntlet off Thanos. Yeah, you know that's the right thing to do. How to win the scenario? Yeah, strategically, that's how you win. But no, as a character, his only motivation was Gamora. Yep, and finding and rescuing Gamora, and nothing else that mattered to him. So that's all he wanted to talk to Thanos about. And once he understood that. Spoilers, Gamora was no longer <laughs> in the scenario uh, that he lost his mind and started yeah. to attack Thanos, and that uh, ruined their plan. Yep. Uh, and that's role-playing. Yeah. You know what I mean? If you, if you know the right thing as a player, but you know your character wouldn't do the right thing, and you do what your character would do, not the right thing, then you're a good role-player. Yeah. So yeah, you are a good role player. Oh well, you rampage through the abbey instead of just sneaking out like we could have done. Yep. And uh, you know maybe we all die. Could be a total party kill. Could be. Yep. TPK. Uh, uh, you know, but I'm a rhino. So what's a rhino know? Yeah, you don't have to worry about it. You're a rhino. You can just keep charging out of there <laughs> while the rest going. of us get killed. <laughs> yep. And then turn into an eagle and fly away. Yeah. Because we're on the top of a mountain. Yeah, you could have just You're flown the away. Only right. one. You guys, I could have left quietly out the window. You could have. This whole time. We were talking about that, too. Like, how yeah. can we scale the side of this <laughs> mountain instead of having to exit? Yeah. An eagle could fly. And we totally yeah. could have role-played our way out of it. Yeah. You know, like, hey, thank you very much for letting us visit. Nope. Nope. No. Rhino rampage. Rhino rampage. <laughs> so, uh, thank so, you for listening to Warlando. Why don't we get back to... The Realm of Shadow. Yes. What is it called? All goo. <laughs> the elves of all goo, taken by Malarian and Morathi, were not humanoid in the way they once were, for they had been changed irrevocably. 
The first have bat wings, fine horns, and long, dexterous tails. Their devilish appearances hinted at the ordeals they had endured in the nether realms. Yet they had been cleansed by Haish's light, the hidden from retribution by Olgu's shadow. Realm of Battle rules yes. for Olgu, the realm of shadow. What page are we on? Uh, two sixty. If you're reading the core book, uh, so uh, realm sphere of magic. Wizards know the following spell if the battles are fought in the realm uh, of shadow. In addition to any other spells, they know mystifying miasma. The wizard creates a numbing fog that causes their foolish foes to listlessly stagger and stumble. Mystifying Miasma has a casting value of four. Nice low number. Mm. If successfully cast, select an enemy unit. That's interesting. It doesn't say an enemy. It just says select a enemy unit within 18 inches mm. of the caster. I don't know. I, I get a, I'm bothered by that kind of thing. It should be <laughs> an enemy unit, shouldn't it? Select a enemy unit within 18 inches of the caster that is visible to them. That unit cannot run until your next hero phase. In addition, subtract two from charge rolls for that unit through your next hero phase. So that's nice. It's like you're creating a fog yeah. around them. They can't really judge dis- distances right. appropriately. So they cannot run and subtract two from charge rolls. That's nice. Yeah, that is nice. You want to talk about the realm commands? Sure. You can use the following command ability and abilities fought in this realm in addition to the command abilities that you normally are allowed to use. So Lord of the Shadow Realm, the hidden pathways of this realm offer great strategic opportunities to those who can master them. You can use this command ability at the start of your hero phase. If you do so, you can use either the shadowed mansions or shadowed realm realmscape feature on the right. In addition, after transforming or setting up the unit in its new location, you do not have to roll to see if any models from the unit become lost in the shadow realms. Note that if the shadowed mansions or shadowed realm realmscape features apply in your battle, you can use them normally as well as using them with this command ability. That's pretty complicated if you don't know what the other two things are. Correct. That's one I, well, let's read those. So yes. shadowed mansion, if you're reading the realmscape feature, that's number five. It says, this is the domain of secrets and lies of twisted reason and mind-bending magic. At the start of your hero phase, pick one friendly unit that is part of a garrison. You can immediately transfer that unit to a different terrain feature that can have a garrison. That The unit cannot be transferred to a terrain feature that is garrisoned by another enemy unit, or if doing so would result in the number of models that can garrison the terrain feature being, uh, being exceeded. The roll, then roll a dice for each model you transfer. On a one, the model being rolled for becomes lost in the shadows and is slain. So I guess what it's saying for the command ability is you can use the shadowed mansions to transport somebody, but you don't have to necessarily, like, risk them being lost. Yes. If you use the command ability, they don't risk being lost. So the shadow realm is very similar to shadow mansion. Uh, the edges of the battlefield are shrouded in shadow and lead to a strange netherworld. So you have to pick a friendly unit that is part of a garrison. So you have to already be garrisoned in some sort of terrain feature 
in order to utilize that command ability. Correct. They already have to be in the garrisoned feature. Correct. And for Shadow Realm, they have to be within six inches of a table edge. Uh, okay. The rules for Shadow Realm is this number six for your real role for the Realmscape feature. At the start of your hero phase, pick one friendly unit that has all of its models within six inches of any edge of the battlefield. You can remove that unit from the battlefield and then set it up more than nine inches away from any enemy units and with all models within six inches of a different edge of the battlefield. Then roll a dice for each model you moved. On a one, the model being rolled for becomes lost in the shadow realm in its lane. Hmm. What I'm just now noticing saying that, if you're going from buildings that are garrisoned in the mansion feature, the edge of the battlefield says more than nine inches away. If there's an ungarrisoned building that is less than nine inches away from an enemy, you can occupy that building. Yeah. I can't remember the garrisoning charge rules. I don't think you can charge out of a building. Mm -mm. But still, it's different. You don't have to be nine inches away. Yeah. Mm. But, uh, yeah, between these two, having that Lord of the Shadow Realm feature, uh, it's really easy to move people around the table. That is interesting. Yeah. Especially if it's, you know, thinking if you're going into a tournament and you're playing this realm. Yeah. And then knowing that you have that commandability available to you. Everybody. Everybody in the tournament that's playing in this realm for this ba this battle round has this yeah. ability. Then you would know on setup yep. to put one of your units that you want to move within, you know, six inches of the table edge. Yeah. And or, then you can move them within nine of anywhere. And right? then when you're setting up, keep in mind that your opponent can do that. Correct. Uh, yes, yeah, so you really have to be on your guard and not leave open a now, backfield all of a sudden like like all of a sudden everybody gets a teleportation spell but you yeah. have to use a command ability for it yeah yeah you spend a command point but I, I i know that with the army i usually play i usually have more command points than i actually use but i think that's because i'm still learning the how many ways to use my command points there's yeah. so many valuable ways to use your command points even just talking about those three core options for command points the yeah. re-rolling max out your run re-roll a charge or what was the third one battle shock battle shock yeah i definitely use the battle shock regularly but yeah the, i re remember a charge and battle shock yeah i've definitely used the max out the run for the daughters of came because they get to run and charge that max out the run oh, is huge it is nice yeah and you can do that after you roll and run yeah okay so you can be like i need these people to be like in your grill yeah and you rolled a one nope it's nope. a six yep yeah that's, uh, that's super, handy it is very handy so the realmscape features we just talked about the two the shadow mansion which is yep. number five and the shadow realms which is number six yep. number one is the shrouded lands a veil of gloom hangs over the regions but no dangers are apparent so just like with all the realmscape yeah. features if you roll a one wah, it, wah. yeah there's nothing happening there's nothing yep. special about where you're playing what's number two impenetrable gloom the lands of algu <laughs> have neither night nor day but range from gloom to pitch black depending on region rather than time the maximum range of attacks or spells is six inches holy shit shut it down like your um fucking ko are fucking ko'd done <laughs> ko'd 
Well, and, and the same I with um, the uh, daughters of Cain having uh, Marathi in the list, and uh, I count on Marathi being able to just soften up a couple of opponents. She's got that thirty-six inch range for her damage spells. I count on her being able to just like shave some wounds off in the early rounds. She cannot do that. She cannot shave any wounds off anybody if there's a six inch range on spells. It's crazy. This is nuts because for somebody like KO, if you got a shooting army, you can't ever drop people other than nine inches away from them. Yeah. So you, and usually, you'll never get a shooting round. People out like in that nine inch range, you can't move after that. So you drop them in your hero phase. That's your movement for the turn. Then you go to shooting, you're nine inches away. Well, guess what? Six inches won't get you there. Yeah. That shuts down armies. That's crazy. I agree with you. That, I mean, it's fun. Like, it, it should at least be nine. Nine, yeah. I, I see why you say that. I, I think nine is fair. Most um, most shooting attacks seem between their between 12 and 18 if it said 18 that'd well, be that'd be it wouldn't really look at the meaningful. next one what's the next one perpetual dusk many regions in this realm are places where half light and half truth are the best a traveler can wish for the maximum range of attacks or spells is 12 inches so it's 12 yeah and then the next one darkly shaded in this place shadows stretch Pre-naturally, preternaturally, mm-hmm. across the landscape, covering all in shade. The maximum range of attacks or spells is 18 inches. So, right there, yeah, you got your 12 and your 18, but six, six shuts down shooting armies across the board. So, for uh, if you're that's a blaze of corn, that's a tournament killer, right? Killer, there. like you're literally you writing something that. that nobody will use in a tournament. No, you can't. I could see 12 is pushing it. 18 sounds like... Yeah. 18 we'll is still a game changer. It is. It You've for got sure is. Cannons, uh, the uh, Warp Lightning Cannon, like all these other things that do that. Like, or, or like, well, like I said, Marathi spells that have a 36-inch range. Yeah. Shut down. Yep. When we played the Malign Portents tournament at Coliseum of Comics. Yeah. Uh, this guy used the Malign Portents... Oh my god! Ability. I just drank your beer. <laughs> Son of a bitch! You're, you're welcome. <laughs> and I'm gonna now. I now get a sip of yours. Yeah. Here, right. yeah. here we can trade. <sighs> Thank you. Yeah, this is mine now. Mm. So, <laughs> the malign portents <laughs> says that uh, you can use one of the abilities that halves all of the range of your shooting abilities, which is that in itself. Halves the range. Halves it. So if your 24-inch cannon all of a sudden is a 12-inch cannon, that's devastating. It essentially just takes this, like, 200-point model and makes it useless. Yeah. And that's the thing is this 6 inches is even worse than that. Yeah. You've just taken a 24-inch cannon, and you've made it six inches. Yeah. But anyway, I, I mean... I, I like, could I could see... I'm not complaining. I'm just, I, w- I think, it, like, because yeah. you said that, I wish it had some other more random characteristic. As in, um, you can still shoot the cannon, 
but if it's more than six inches away, uh, you have to roll a die to see if you hit something else by mistake. You hit the next closest model by mistake. Oh. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. That would like be fun. On a on a five up, you hit the next model. Yeah, or or, or, or on a one. Like say it's like yeah, so Or something like that. Like, yeah, let's say like D six. Yeah, that's what I would roll. I I would say, all right, if you're shooting a target more than X number away, roll because you can't really roll see a well, D six. Roll a D six on a one, instead you hit the next closest model. Yeah. So you just see, hit your would, general in the back. I, I would like that better yeah. because I would much rather shoot my own people than not shoot anybody <laughs> at all. <laughs> Ever. Yeah. That's... I never want to be within six inches of anybody. Yeah. Other than my saws. Right. You know? Yeah. I, uh, yeah, it's, I, I would much rather something that had a random fail instead of a just nothing. Yeah. You can't do anything at all right. with it. That's, it's fucked up. That's what, I, I think they could have done a lot better when they wrote these. Yeah. I would rather have a random fail because you're shooting into the shadows. You're shooting into the fog. <laughs> Slam. <laughs> you ever see, no, uh, <laughs> you ever see uh, Insomnia? Movie with uh, Rob Williams and yeah, uh, yeah. Um, there's a moment in that where they're like in the fog trying to catch the serial killer, and the main character is Al Pacino. And mm-hmm. uh, spoiler, he's in the fog, and his partner has damaging information on him. So when they're in the fog and he's chasing the serial killer, but his partner runs into his line of fire he intentionally shoots his partner mm-hmm. thinking he has an excuse that because it's in the fog, he can yep. like kill him by mistake. That, that kind of, that would be so great in this yeah. scenario. You can use your, um, yeah, just have that random opportunity to accidentally kill your ally, right. you know, accidentally <laughs> kill your own. I would rather, yeah, like you said, I would rather kill my own stuff by mistake than not get to do anything at all. Yeah. That's why I think like Skaven and like the... you still like you get a victory point. <laughs> well, well, you, you, like you, you get to just talk, tell yeah. the story. Like I took my shot at the bad guy, but I rolled that one and I shot, I killed my general. You know, that's that's the realm of shadows. That that's so much more entertaining than just doing nothing. Yeah, and that that sounds like it's like just I like, thought I was here to kill you, but guess what? I was here to kill me. Yep. The Skaven and the uh, the Grotz, they they have that already built into their lore yeah. that they accidentally kill their own people all the time. Yeah. Uh, to, to have a realm where people are constantly <laughs> accidentally, because it's a realm of illusions. Yeah. You know, I thought I saw the bad oh, guy, I but it, <laughs> yeah, I shot oh, that shadow, I but oh, shot- it was my own guy. Yeah, that was. I feel like that's a missed opportunity to put rules in there that no one would ever use. That yeah. six inch rule in a tournament, no one would ever use that. But if it was six inches, but you roll, right? You know, if you shoot something more than six inches away, roll a d six on a one. You hit the closest model instead, right? You know, it might yeah. not be anything if they're right in your face, but right. I, 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 I GW, talk to us. We're here to write your rules for you. <laughs> All right, so now on to uh, Malign Sorcery. Malign Sorcery. And Ogu. We have some uh, spells. and Yes, the spells. In the darkness of Ogu, the tendrils of magic floated <gasps> upon the currents 
of the necroquakes aftershocks with terrible sentience they weave their way across the shadowy lands to dance upon the fingers of conjurers who gave them dread new shapes and purpose the first one you want to read that one the labyrinth of sorrows the wizard traps the enemy in a prison of their own despair labyrinth of sorrows has a casting value of five five that's reasonable if successfully cast pick an enemy unit within 12 inches of the caster that is visible to them have the move characteristic of that unit until your next hero phase so they already have to be within 12 inches Mm -hmm. uh having the move characteristic can really shut someone down yeah but they have to be within 12 inches of the caster already. With someone like Marathi, uh, she got she doubles the range. So at yep. 24 inches, she can shut someone down. There's uh, other wizards that can do that. But um, That would be handy. It would be handy. I usually find that if spells for wizards are asking me to do them 12 inches or less, I don't really like them. Those spells or those wizards? Those spells. Yeah. Because... I typically, in my armies, don't want my wizards within 12 inches no. casting spells. Yeah. I want them. So I guess in, 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 in Gloom Spike Gits, I may have the the uh, the Ragnarok with the Shaman on top of it, mm-hmm. and maybe they would be within 12 inches. But really, it's like I don't want them to be of unless course. it's a strategic run and gun, take that unit out. Yeah, um, if I had like a low, if I had a couple low cost wizards, which the goblins can usually do, uh, then th- in that case, I would have like a kamikaze think, wizard. Yeah, but I think you don't want them still to be within range. What I've found out in building those lists is, although they are cheaper shamans, they're eighty points. That's not super cheap. I mean, it's cheap. Yeah, but it's for not, a wizard. But like, it's still. not like just throw away cheap. Yeah. The the uh, legions of sacrament necromancer is 110 points versus the gloom spike gets 80 points. The glitz, got it. Yeah, yeah, 80 points is cheaper, but I don't want that guy within 12 inches. I don't know. Oh uh, no, I know exactly what you mean. Like I learning Age of Sigmar and playing with the uh, it's a very aggressive way to play a wizard. Yes, and I failed consistently with my Doomfire Warlocks. I desperately wanted them to get in the 18-inch of range to, so I could use that um, Doombolt. But the way the movement is with Wizards, you really have to put yourself in a position where they come to you. If you get a double you. turn, Yeah, done. if you get a double turn, That's you can why do it. you would never want to get them with any... You know what I mean? Like that, Yes. I, I feel like that when I played you, you didn't want to get them in that sort of position because if I got a double turn... They're gone. Yeah. And then that's like 450 points out of your army. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Doomfire Warlock. So it, it makes them a gamble, yeah. constantly a gamble. I love them with the uh, the uh, mirrors. Okay, the yeah. The spell portals. Okay, yeah. They're a lot of fun with the spell portals. But, uh, yeah, they're, that range, to get within 12 inches, you just to have someone else's distance. I, I could see that if... Um, if I was, are you doing something? Yeah, scratch. Oh, it's okay. Yeah. I feel like I hear it really loud. <laughs> I could see doing that if um, it wouldn't be a bad thing to have to be able to have 
someone else's. <laughs> yeah. Zing. Are you, do you like, uh, you ever see the uh, Bad Santa? Mm-hmm. The, um, what is this? This is your beer. This is your beer now. Oh. It's the same beer. beer. Okay. Um, it's a good beer. Yeah. It's the highlight. Yeah. Uh, nice beer. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, it was um, Bernie. What is his name? Bernie Mac. Bernie Mac so great when yeah. he's doing the negotiation scene when he's negotiating for the money he keeps saying half half <laughs> you know because they're <laughs> they're trying to talk him out of wanting half of their you know their yeah. their prize for robbing the store and he's yeah. just he says half a dozen different ways yeah. <laughs> without where they can't negotiate him down anyway right. when i say have half half so yeah, Labyrinth of Shadows, or Labyrinth of the Swords, not sure. The next one is Crown of Asphyxiation. Noxious fog surrounds the wizard, causing nearby foes to stumble and choke. Crown of Asphyxiation has a casting value of six. If successfully cast, roll a dice for each enemy unit within three inches of the caster. On a four-up, the unit suffers one mortal wound. We've seen other spells like this before, where yeah. it's like, if it's not asphyxiation, it's other some kind of fire damage or something along those right. lines. Uh, again, like you're saying, I don't want people within three inches of my wizard, yeah. but I can see if you've got a combat wizard, like you were saying, a combat wizard being like someone on an Arachnorok spider, that that's different. Yeah, but it's not like you know all the spells in this. You have to choose one. Yes. Right? Yeah, if you're going to be an Olgu, you have to choose. Well, no, I, I think that's not true. If you are... If you take Olgu, you know all of You know spells. all six of these spells. Everybody in the game, if you're playing an Olgu, knows oh, no, all of right. these spells. Okay. Well, I wish, I wish rules writing, I wish you could have just said, uh, my wizard is from this realm and just like you would pick an artifact from the realm you pick a spell from the realm uh, i wish they had done that yeah i think that yep, would have been yep. a lot more fun yep. than everybody in wherever you're playing knowing everything in that realm like we were talking about with nagash he's got those books circling around him yeah all those like different wizard books it'd yep. been fun to like yeah, everywhere he goes, he steals spells from different places. He, that's why he has so many spells that he yeah. knows. I wish you could take, you could just pick one spell from, from your own realm. Yeah. Instead of it being everybody when you're playing in that realm knows all these spells. But right. that's what it is. Yep. The next one, the effeebling. In. Oh, an enfeebling. Yeah, Sorry. you're enfeebled. You're enfeebled. The wizard saps the energy from his enemies, draining them of their will to fight. The Enfeebling has a casting value of 6. If successfully cast, pick an enemy unit within 12 inches of the caster. Reroll failed wound rolls for attacks that target this unit until your next hero phase. It's nice. It's, it, uh, there's a couple of things that the Daughters of Cain do that are similar. It's nice to be able to reroll wound rolls. Yeah, that's definitely better than having the movement within 12 inches because anybody within 12 inches is gonna move you know three and yeah. then they're gonna or four or i mean i'm sorry three or two and then they're gonna be in charge range like i yeah. understand like it's, it's still gonna be a 10 inch charge how but... many people are gonna be at 12 yeah usually they're gonna be like eight or nine or 10 or 11 and then you're having you know like i just for a spell what do you even get out of it movement at maximum range 12 
to have your movement. It have to would be it would have to be at twelve to make it effective. But what's nice about this, like you were just saying, that you have access to all of these spells. So even though it's a very conditional, you can when that condition yeah. arises, you have it. Yeah, I guess so. But like, yeah, like if we if it was the other way around, which I eighteen would prefer, inches would be like, yeah, perfect. If I would rather that we could pick one of these before a game. Yeah. Yeah, I, w- I would much rather that. Or yeah. bef- one before a turn. Correct. The next one is Phantasmal Guardian. The wizard summons a creature of pure shadow to protect himself from harm or herself hmm. from harm. Phantasmal Guardian has a casting value of six. If successfully cast, roll a dice for each time you will allocate a wound or mortal wound to the caster until your next hero phase. On a five up, the wound is negated. So Phantasmal yeah, Guardian, classic. it's just... Yeah, it's classic. Yeah, you're taking. They're taking. They're giving five you an extra. Save. Yeah, five board save, an extra save roll. Um, yeah, I wouldn't complain about that. Yeah, but uh, casting value it's of six. An app, you know, it it's an option. It is an option, and but it only works on the caster. Right. So you, I I usually see this as like a fighty caster, mm-hmm. or somebody that's like, oh shit, people are starting to. I'm I'm cornered. Yep, I'm yeah. cornered. Maybe I'll take this. Yeah. I got nothing else to do. Yeah. Bridge of Shadows. The wizard summons a portal of pure shadow. Allies that march into this gateway emerge from a shadow elsewhere on the battlefield. Bridge of Shadows has a casting value of six. If successfully cast, pick a friendly unit wholly within 12 inches of the caster and remove it from the battlefield. Set it up anywhere on the battlefield that is wholly within 24 inches of the caster and more than 9 inches from any enemy models. It may not move in the subsequent movement phase. So That's a nice little teleport spell. Decent teleportation yeah. spell. Yep. Have you heard of the Wheel of Time series of fantasy mm-hmm. novels? I'm a huge fan. I have read most of them more than once. Uh, there is a uh, part of these series of books. I hope there's other people out there listening that are fans. Huh. The Wheel, uh, the Wheel of Time books. There's uh, a series of bridges called the Ways, and there are a hidden pathway that travels, you know, between dimensions, so that you can leave the dimension you're in and come out somewhere else within mm-hmm. the same world. And the Ways, and they were a kind of utopian pathway where you could just walk this like through this like bright sunny realm and uh green pastures to get to where you wanted to go but the magic was corrupted so it became this like shadow realm where um it was these crumbling rock pathways with like uh just darkness on all sides and if you were to fall off the pathway you would just be lost for eternity yeah like that that sounds like the realm of shadow to me that you could like you could you can cross this shadow bridge but it's this crazy shadow realm. Right. They also have this thing in the wheel of time called machine shin. It's the, uh, the, the, the screaming, I think they say the screaming wind. It's this, it's just a wind that's in that ways. Yeah. Uh, you can't see it. There's nothing to see, but you can hear it whispering and chittering as the wind picks up. Yeah. And as it gets louder and louder and gets closer to you, it will, if you actually hear what it's saying, these whispers if you actually hear what it's saying you will go insane and you will not be a whole insane human in the <laughs> insane in the brain 
<laughs> that's what it says. And yep. then you lose your mind. All right, the last one. Oh, it's me. Aetheric tendrils. Insubstantial tentacles unfurl from the shadows to grasp and drag the enemy towards their doom. Aetheric tendrils has a casting value of six. If successfully cast, pick an enemy unit within 12 inches of the caster that is visible to them. That unit suffers D3 mortal wounds. If that unit is a hero or monster, you can make a normal move with that unit as if it were as if it had a move characteristic of four inches. Wow. Yeah. So you can do D3 mortal wounds and yep. then say like, wah, wah, move four inches that way. Yeah, or whatever way. It doesn't say anything about the ending point. Just think, if we were playing some modified Warlando Olgu or uh, <laughs> uh board and things were shifting and there was this like void and you used that pushed them into the void yeah because the four inches that would be awesome you could also like move them four inches that could potentially put them in like locked in combat could you push them off the board i don't know if you could push them off the board it says you can make a normal move. So mm. you definitely, you couldn't move them within three inches. You couldn't move them off the table. A okay. normal move, you couldn't do either of those normal things. Normal move, you don't move yourself off the board. Right. But normal move, you could move them within, you know, right yeah. to that three-inch point. You know, you can move them definitely where you could charge them. You can definitely move them where they don't have any more options to move. Yeah. Right. You know, you could you could pin someone down. It's, it's a pretty cool spell. Anything yeah. that lets you move yourself or move your opponent... That's cool. It is. Movement is huge in this game. Yep. Okay. All right. We are now to the artifacts and weapons. We, I think we both have some strong opinions about this category based on uh, our previous play. Okay. Uh, as a Daughters of Cain player, I usually just thematically, I pick... <laughs> I pick Olgu yeah. as my realm just because I like story-wise to say that's where they're from right but i do also like this list of weapons and artifacts one that i consistently take is the first one here uh, page 84 of the malign sorcery book the artifacts of power weapons of olgu the first one is the miasmatic blade smoke trails from this blade uh, smoke trails from this blade as it is wielded obscuring the wielder Pick one of the bearer's melee weapons to be a miasmatic blade. Subtract one from hit rolls for attacks that target the bearer. Hmm. So I, Daughters of Cain, I usually have my general on the Cauldron of Blood, whether or not she's a Hag Queen or Slaughter Queen. Uh, she's a target because she gives so many buffs to everybody else in the army. So I can take this blade and make her, for the rest of the game, minus one to hit. Yeah. For a melee shooting, she's minus one to hit. And if she's a hero. She's a hero, so she gets. Minus one to hit during shooting attacks. Yep. If she's within three inches of. Yes, if she's. Unit. Yes, with the lookout sir rule. Yep. And there's another um, category, uh, like a temple you can be from for the Daughters of Cain, that gives you a minus one to hit in the shooting phase. Oh. So between the three, I can make my general minus three to hit for most of the game. Yeah, so people were pretty much always hitting on sixes. Yeah, if if that. Like, 
Like, I think you, you always hit on sixes. Not necessarily. You don't always hit on a six. I think, I think technically in the book, they've now made it that you always hit on six. You always hit, hit on six? Yeah. So, like, if I were to hit on five up and you yeah. were to make me minus three, then minus six, minus seven, minus eight. No, no, no. I always hit on six. Is that changed? That's official rule now? I think so. Yeah. I'll have to look that up. I, I hadn't yeah. heard that before today. And then, yeah, because I don't think there's a rule in here that says it's like, it used to be in fantasy. If you went beyond that, then you would roll sixes and then on fours you would hit. Yeah. And then if it was more than that on fives, you would hit and then yeah. on sixes you would hit. Yeah. So this, if I, if you're minus three to hit and you norm, you naturally hit on a six up, I say you're minus three to hit. You still hit on a six up. Yeah. It doesn't change anything if you're a six up to hit. But naturally, people don't hit on six up. Naturally, people only would at worst hit on five up. And then minus one to hit, you would hit on six up. Yeah. But then, you know, minus three would just be, I think, you're just now hitting, you know, now you're adding that complexity to people that hit well. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. I, I we can look it up. Yeah, but, let's look it up afterwards. Let's let's yeah. make a note to to look this up afterwards. Because I, I yeah. What's the next one? The blade of the thirteen dominions, the trickster spirit of the sword, seeks to confound the greatest minds of the foe. Pick one of the bearer's melee weapons to be a blade of the thirteen dominions. Allocate wounds inflicted by that weapon before allocating wounds inflicted by any other attacks made by the bearer if one or more wounds are inflicted on an enemy unit by that weapon subtract one from hit rolls for attacks made by that unit until the end of the phase wow that's nice made by that unit yeah a lot of times you'll see similar weapons that are against a hero against a, against a single model mm -hmm. but against it, a whole unit mm -hmm. so if you run into my unit of 30 witch elves you know subtract um yeah subtract one from hit rolls for my 30 witch elves that are rolling you know four attacks each yeah that that is a significant percentage reduction in how many hits they can make happen by just subtracting the one yeah it's big that's good yeah all right the next one blade of folded shadows the blade is forged from weightless darkness pick one of the bearers melee weapons to be a blade of folded shadows add one to hit rolls for this weapon so this is very similar like all these different realms you'll see something very similar to this add one to hit rolls it doesn't sound like much but i've definitely had heroes that are combat based heroes it'd be nice to just throw them in and like add one to their hit roll uh, if it's in addition to other buffs that you can get adding yeah. one to hit rolls that's pretty nice yeah what's oh, the next one there blade of secrets those struck by this blade find their arcane knowledge stolen. Oh, yeah, I like this. Pick one of the bear's melee weapons to be a blade of secrets. Allocate wounds inflicted by that weapon before allocating wounds inflicted by any other attacks made by the bear. If one or more wounds are inflicted on an enemy wizard by that weapon, pick one spell that wizard knows 
that wizard may not attempt to cast that spell again during that battle. That's pretty awesome. Yeah. That's very corn because corn hates wizards. Yeah. And the new corn uh, prayers, endless prayers, which is a new thing, uh, they have other things that make force wizards to forget spells. So if you were already thinking you're going into a meta, a tournament meta where you were going to face a lot of wizards, yeah, you could definitely maximize on that idea of just erasing spells. Yeah. If you got someone like Nagash who or uh arcan who are like just ruining your day with their spells yeah if you got multiple ways to just make them forget spells yeah that's pretty cool that'd be devastating yeah yeah if you could teleport some kind of like low cost hero right into the backfield and have them hit arcan or nagash and just do it right away right away well you forgot that spell yep and it does it say you get to pick the spell it says yeah i thought that's what it says it said uh uh, pick one spell that wizard knows. Yeah. So goodbye, hand of dust. Yep. What's the one that uh, Arcan does? Oh, the curse of years. Curse of years. Yeah. Yeah. You could just take that off the table right away. Yeah. That would so relaxing for me. <laughs> I'd be, I would just be able to yeah. relax. Oh, uh, all you can do is an arcane bolt. Oh. Aww. <laughs> all right. What's the next one? Sword of judgment. This sword. Oh, wait, do we skip the dimensional blade? Oh, I'm sorry. Dimensional Blade. That's you, actually. Oh, okay. Dimensional Blade. This blade slips through armor as if it were mist. Pick one of the bearer's melee weapons to be a dimensional blade. Change the rend characteristic of that weapon to negative three. That's nice. Yeah. And that, but not as good as that Dwarven Blade we were talking about in Shaman. Yeah. Where it adds three to the yeah. rend this is just make it negative three if you already had an, a negative minus two rend two, then add three five. yeah done. <laughs> oh my god yeah that would be awesome but dimensional blade minus three rend pretty damn good yeah i mean it's taking one of like let's say your uh witch elf heroes which is just like six attacks no rend yeah to six attacks minus three rend that's pretty good pretty good Yep. Can't complain. Nope. Sword of Judgment. Pick one of the bearer's melee weapons to be a Sword of Judgment. If the hit roll for an attack with that weapon against a hero or monster is six up, that attack inflicts D6 mortal wounds. And the attack sequence ends. Do not make a wound or save roll. That's pretty nasty. Yeah, that's nasty. I mean... Just to do... Again, it's, you're putting on someone who's essentially an assassin. Their yep. job is to take out a hero. Yep. Uh, so you, you go into the game thinking, all right, I'm, I, particularly if you're talking about the Realm of Shadow, you might have another way to teleport people. If you can, if you can drop this character near some kind of hero and run them in and give them that D6 mortal wounds. Yeah. Well, how many attacks does your... Uh, cauldron have the cauldron it's got a bunch of different attacks but it's multiple different types of weapons because they have attendants that are on the cauldron right yeah so you can you can give your cauldron one like one of one of your people on that could have this weapon right yeah well she the uh hag queen or slaughter queen they have two weapons pick one of the weapons yeah to be the sword of judgment Mm -hmm. so you could say whatever the most vanilla 
weapon like weapon is that has the most attacks give that that attack the sort of judge the sort of judgment do all your other attacks first then do this one last yeah you're kind of maximizing on doing Damage. all the other attacks first doing all those wounds first then doing this attack and then hopefully doing mortal wounds yeah because it's more likely to go off yeah it's sort of it's nice yeah yeah i wouldn't complain i think in a in a thematic game in a tournament i, w- I wouldn't equip this but in a like a, a more thematic army it's fun it's a lot of fun yeah no it is uh relics of Olgu. all right uh, first one is the spell mirror. This small trinket reflects arcane energies away from the holder and those allies near him. If a friendly unit within six inches of the bearer is affected by a spell, you can roll a dice. On a five up, that unit is not affected by the spell. On a one, the spell mirror may not be used for the rest of the battle. Ugh. Oh. It, within six inches of the bearer, I think it's if if you're talking about a a meta where you're expecting to face a lot of wizards yeah. and and just like um, I, w- I would bring the miasmatic blade if I knew I was facing a lot of shooting. I could see bringing the spell mirror if I expected to be facing a lot of spells. Yeah. Uh, to to just like reduce the opportunity to shoot me or my like if I had a um. If I had a dwarf army where I had a lot of war machines that I was, I was just going to put my wizard, not my wizard, because you don't have to be a wizard for this. I would put my like aether chemist right next to my cannons or whatever it is, your engineer right next to your cannons. Then you protect all the cannons from spells too, right? Yeah. So your whatever aether chemist engineer that's like buffing your cannons can also like protect them from spells at the same time if they have this item yeah i feel like i would want this in the the effect of spell mirror Mm -hmm. you're reflecting it back just the name isn't doesn't reflect what i feel like if you got the five up off because the five up is like it's a gamble it's a big number it's a gamble so you're you're essentially giving your uh, your hero. You're taking the artifact that they can choose of all the artifacts in their own the book and this book. That and they have the ability to. You're giving them a five up opportunity to stop a spell. Yeah. You like? I would it, want that five up to do like. What if it just did one mortal wound back, back to the caster? I can see what you're saying. It's spell mirror. Yeah. So saying like someone cast arcane bolt. Yep. And it goes off, but I roll my five. No, you get arcane bolted. Yeah. On a five up. Yeah. If anything, that's like a gamble. I I think what you're saying is totally reasonable. I don't think that would make this uh, an overpowered item at all. I think it makes yeah. this item a lot of fun because on a one you don't get to use it for the rest of the game for the rest of the game it, it does say that's a gamble that is a gamble it does say a friendly unit within six inches so i think i could see a lot like i could see this almost being a one up like i think maybe too many people would take it if it was reflecting a, a mortal wound back yeah. I, don't, I don't know i i 
I, I agree with you. Let's I agree read, with you. Let's read the I list, could see, and then we'll know. Maybe, yeah, maybe there's a reason not to, but I agree with you. I think yeah. it should be reflecting. It says, spell mirror. You should be reflecting yeah. the spell back. Uh, next one, Trickster's Helm. This helm whispers contradictory thoughts into the minds of nearby wizards. Mm-hmm. Reroll successful casting rolls for enemy wizards while they are within eight inches of the bearer. And this is an old school. A lot of these are from Eighth Edition. Yeah, Trickster's Helm was something that was available mm-hmm. in Eighth Edition, and I like it. Um, yeah, I mean, it's, if you've you know, got if you've got a combat hero that you're planning to run out there to try and assassinate wizards, great, great yeah. for uh, a hero that's going to just charge enemy heroes. Yeah. The next one is the uh, the wristbands of illusion. These vambraces create illusory replicas of the wearer, confusing attackers. Roll a dice each time you allocate a wound to the bearer. And I think that the wound is negated. Nice little save. Yeah. I thought that the, I think there's other better saves that you can get. You can get, yeah. I don't think there's plenty of options to get a five up instead of a six up, but if you don't have any other options, this is what you get. Yep. The next one I think is one of your favorites. So why don't you read that one? <sighs> this one makes me gag (laughs) doppelganger cloak this cloak replicates the appearance of nearby foes the bearer cannot be chosen as the target of an attack with an enemy melee weapon unless the bearer has made any attacks earlier in the same phase this one fucks us both up in that uh, tournament in October. It has been errated. This one has changed. A little bit. A Just little bit. It's, it says once per battle. Oh. It's I, a once per battle? I think in the FAQ, this is a once per battle, oh. which completely changed it. It's still a super powerful item. Yes. But it's not a game changer like it was Correct. as written. So, because comparatively to all the other artifacts leading up to this, yeah, that is by far the best. Oh yeah, in this whole list. Yes, and I can definitely see why they chose to uh, make some changes to it. Where how it was, and we talked about this on previous episodes, where yep. we both ended up playing the same guy in the tournament, huh. and we both and he was very good. He had a keeper of secrets in his Slanesh army that he yep. put right on an objective as soon as he had the opportunity. And if you didn't plan your attacks properly, you could not attack the keeper of secrets because it had this doppelganger cloak, and you had to wait for it to attack first. So yeah. if you had the wrong number of attacks. You know, if you didn't have an even number of attacks, then it would not have, you wouldn't be able to attack it. Yeah. Uh, so I, I ran into this, you ran into this with the same guy that had this cloak and we weren't, we, we weren't prepared for how the cloak worked and we didn't plan accordingly. Correct. Um, but I like that everybody ran into this problem and that the, uh, games workshop said, that's a little too powerful yeah. in the wrong hands. So they, they said it's, as far as I know, please correct me if I'm wrong. The last time I looked at it, Doppelganger Cloak is now once per battle. One, It's a one-use item. So once per battle, the bearer cannot be chosen as the target of an attack 
with an enemy melee weapon unless the bearer has made any attacks earlier in the same phase. Still a major game-changing item, but yeah. uh, different. It's changed. Yep. So uh, number five is the Betrayer's Crown. The crown plants treacherous, treacherous ambitions into the enemy's minds. Once per battle, at the start of the combat phase, pick an enemy unit within three inches of the bearer that has two or more models. Roll a dice for each model in that enemy unit. For each five up, that enemy unit suffers one mortal wound. Nice. You get to, like, <laughs> convince your opponents to betray them there yeah. themselves. That's fun. I like that. I like that, too. I, I definitely can see the, uh, for my own army, the... Uh, uh, Medusa, she uh, already does stuff that attacks big groups of enemies. If uh, you know she's finally going to get uh, stuck in with an opponent, that's uh, a nice idea. Once for battle, at the start of the combat phase, it doesn't have to be your combat phase. She gets attacked. She's swarmed by an opponent. Yeah. Uh, it's the start of the combat phase. But hold on a second. Before any of these people attack, boom, here you go. There, five up. That enemy suffers one mortal wound. Yeah. So right off the bat, you can like take a big chunk out of them. All right. What's yep. the last one? That's great. Talisman of the Watcher. Shadowy figures intercept blows aimed at the wearer of this trinket. If the bearer is not within three inches of an enemy unit, at the start of the combat phase, pick a friendly unit within nine inches of the bearer. Reroll save rolls of one for that unit it says yeah so the bear is not within three inches of an enemy unit at the start of the combat phase yeah so as long as the bearer is not within three inches he can give another unit uh basically re-roll save rolls of one which you know hey yeah so and they could they can be within they can be in combat oh yeah yeah you're just as long as you are not within three inches yeah then you can give it to somebody else or you can give it to yourself yeah for like ranged attacks yeah absolutely that's yeah. nice that's i like bad. it so yeah among these i've used the miasmatic blade a few times just because mainly because of you <laughs> because i'm used to facing your carriage and overlords and i'm used to having to worry about shooting uh, and I, for yep. that reason, yep. it's an easy way to get a minus one to hit. Yep. And if you've got a hero that your army is, a, it's a linchpin to your army. Easy way to just get a put a minus one to hit on your hero. It's and I like those like null items. They're not conditional. They're not. Uh, they, they don't have range. They don't have a dice you have to roll. No, it's it, it doesn't. It's always passive, on. always on. Not uh, not conditional. Not worried about a situation. I'm right. just, it's just always on. I'm always minus one to hit. Yep. Yeah. Shooting, close combat, I'm minus one to hit all the time. Yeah. I like it. That's Those my favorite great. of these. I think that's always a good thing to look at for uh, artifacts is the what are you risking in this going off or not? Yeah. And if you have to roll a five up for it to go off, if you have to roll a, uh, a one and it doesn't go, whatever it is, like, is that better than just always having minus one to hit or something, yeah. you know, like, and there's, there's so many, that. it depends on your army. Yeah. It depends on what your army does. It depends on your heroes, what do your heroes do? And 
I, I think there's probably a lot of armies out there that like my heroes aren't important. I don't care what artifacts I have. Well, what one of the uh, the uh, gloom spike gets artifacts the glitz yeah the glitz is um uh, you don't have to use a command point to do this uh to do this hero's command ability every turn oh nice that's passive so every turn i can do that i know every turn i can do that hero's command ability and i don't have to use my command abilities i like that like my points my command points yeah that's good you know like now you're like saying now i have to decide to give that up to choose something from over here that says conditionally on a five up i can do this yeah well you want to take that five up i negate a mortal wound let's say okay well is that better than me always able to get a command ability off that allows a whole unit of guys to be able to get all this stuff done? You know what I mean? I do, but like, like so what if you're consistently playing against someone that can kill that hero? That's an yeah. easy time killing that hero. Yeah. You know, do you, do you instead think, oh man, I wish I had that, that five up save. Yeah. Maybe my hero would stick around longer. Right. So yeah, you the, gotta weigh it. Yeah. Uh, I Yeah, but I agree with you. I, I like... Personally, I like using those passive always on yep. artifacts yep. instead of the one and done. Unless it does something really great, there's uh, an artifact in, again, the Daughters of Cain book. There's a, a one and done uh, item that lets you teleport a hero. Okay. You give it to this hero, and once per game in the movement phase, you can move it anywhere on the table. Yeah. Which has been super valuable, and particularly since I use yeah. shadow theme stuff that I can, like, teleport units anyway to teleport a supporting hero behind that unit even if i only use it once it's pretty cool yeah. i like i like teleporting and movement is so important yeah, in age of sigmar you have to be able to control the movement to be able to get objectives and yep. like the objectives are how you win games so yep. if you can't get on the objective or get opponents off objectives you can't win yep so that's what it's all about it's about getting those objectives uh yeah or getting people off the objectives yep yep so what do you think about the realm of shadows uh i like it awesome i I think there's potential i think there's potential for the table i think there's potential for the artifacts there's potential for the spells i think it's a solid choice i do as well what talking about modeling and basing the armies you have or armies you would think about Mm. theming how would you do your realm of shadow I don't know. I for basing. I for now, for in where we are now in Age of Sigmar. I feel like the realm of shadow is very bland hmm. as far as tones go for colors. So I think muted colors is kind of giving off that essence of like a a bit of a. Like either there's a a, a fog covering the sh- the light, almost like you're like a black and white movie. Yeah, so you're you're kind of muting the colors. So I I don't see goblin green bases. Mm. I don't see grassy bases. I you know what I mean? Like I, I do. see very muted color bases. So I feel like for uh, shadow, I would I would do muted colored bases. So grays, 
muted browns um uh, or like a sepia tone like you see those pictures yeah. of people you go to like tourist places and you can do like the the old west pictures yeah yeah exactly yep yeah so it's so the things that are muted and not vibrant yeah yeah i like that i set my daughters of cain i've decided they're from the realm of shadow yeah so when i based them originally i based them with an, an idea of like a northern european battlefield like you'd see braveheart you'd see the battle board i created everything's like green grass meadows that's that's what it's that's what it is when i was painting them my daughters of cane are based on the um dark elves from the forgotten realms of dungeons and dragons so they're loth worshiping dark elves so they all have gray skin and i was having they all come based on rocks so i was painting the rocks gray with their gray skin I'm like yeah. this doesn't i can't do this this is like there it makes sense um from a, a, an evolutionary idea that they would blend with the rocks yeah you know what i mean like from evolution they would like naturally camouflage with the rocks right. but for the tabletop them being from the realm of shadow i wanted supernatural rocks instead of them having hmm. their i wanted them to be gray skinned but i wanted supernatural rocks so i after i painted the balewind vortex i used that same paint formula for yep. all of the rocks that they're jumping off of okay uh so it's that same kind of like blue green rocks mm. that they're all jumping off of okay uh, so that's the only thing. They're on the normal European fields, but all the rocks are like a blue-green rock. That's my idea of okay. like, those are the rocks you find in the Realm of Shadow. So that's yeah. how I based them. To tie that into the table, that's what I was talking about earlier. I want to make a bunch of those floating rock pillars mm. that are chained in place. So these rocks are floating. And glowing a little bit. Floating, like. yeah, floating and glowing, and it's only the chains that are stopping them from floating away. Okay. So that's what I want to do the rest of the table like yeah. with these like big magic blue green rocks that are everywhere and they the daughters of Cain have those avatars of Cain. I replace all my avatars of Cain with uh uh spider women mm -hmm. like the the driders the half yep. spider half women. Uh, so the avatars of Cain that I have, those models, I want to paint them the same way and just put them as statues out yeah. on the table. So if I have a, a battle board that I take with me to tournaments, they'll be on there painted in that same color scheme of that blue-green. Yeah, that's good. Yeah, I like it. I think that's that's how I would picture... That's how I do my Realm of Shadow. Okay. What about the carriage and overlords? Like you were saying, like uh, you would paint them so they have like a dull sepia tone, black and white kind of look is there anything else modeling wise for any of your your undead or your hmm. your orcs or goblins for or you would you would well, expect for other people i'm trying to think like what would a mist be like yeah how I'm do you model that how do you model a mist it has to be some way that you can take like some sort of cotton ball and like i've tried just that pull it apart and then pull it apart and then pull it apart a little bit more then can you like can you somehow cover it without making it look like it's just like a spider web on the face or something i don't know what i've tried is i've done what you're saying yeah. and i tried it with this one model where i want it to be like these like 
smoke tendrils coming out of the ground. And I did, like right. you're saying, where I had uh, just stretched out a little bit of cotton and twisted it a little bit so it looked like a smoke tendril, but it's hard to not look at it as cotton. Yeah. Now, I've seen where other people have used the same kind of cotton to make smoke, and what they'll do is they'll they'll have that like the stretched out cotton in like cloud shapes and they'll kind of like paint it gray they'll spray paint mm. it gray yeah. so it like it keeps its shape and it's gray and then they'll put leds inside it that are like yellow like leds glow or yeah so it'll glow it'll look like fire it's like smoke and fire but still looks like cotton still looks like cotton. it's really hard to disconnect from yeah. that for to make a smoke shape so million dollar idea yeah come up with some sort of uh, texture that allows you to replicate smoke or fog and, and, and on the tabletop and frozen. not look like cotton. Yes. They do have for shows and for effects, they have these tiny little smoke machines. Uh, like you see in a show, the fog oh, yeah. machines on big events. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They have these tiny, tiny little ones um, that uh, it doesn't use any kind of chemical fluid. It just uses water. Okay, yeah. And, and it, like right. heats it up in a certain way to make not steam, but it right. creates like a, fo- a smoke kind of effect. Are you going to have that on like a 25 millimeter base round? No, but if you're talking about like your big battleships or your big like uh, centerpiece model could maybe. that like, yeah, with your carriage and overlords, or if you've got like your big, uh, well, demon Prince thing. Yeah. Your big Arachnorok. Yeah. You've got some other big monster, a maw crusher, like to put one of these underneath it. Yeah. That'd be kind of neat. Like a yeah. star Drake. Like, yeah. Uh, and when you put it out, anytime anyone takes a picture of it on the table, you hit that button, like smoke's just coming up around it. Like actual smoke. Yeah. It's like this actual fog. Or um, you just take up vaping. <laughs> right. But, but no, and like like how complicated are those little vape pens? Yeah. There's got to be a simple way to make a vape pen that you don't have to like put toxins in your lungs. You can just hit yeah. that button and like it just vapes. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like yep. that's, I mean, I'm sure it's like a $40 per model right. vape pen, but... That's got to be easier and easier to do because the vape pens are so super popular and people are like, there's got to be an easy way to do that. Like the old. um, Well, so it's now is the the deal is you you go buy these little trays for your rounds and they keep your guys within an inch and they're just like single trays, right? Like a single tray of five spots. You put five guys on there and then you buy another five tray slot. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. So. Those could have the little tube built in and spritz it out every other place. You know what I mean? Like anytime someone turns the camera on, you're like vape. Yep, go. <laughs> <laughs> but that's pretty cool. Yeah, I mean, it could be really blowing people away, and particularly if like a uh, painting contest where you have your um, you're setting up your your battle board. Yeah, your yeah. Diorama. Your diorama. You like you just like okay, turn it on, and there's like. All my LEDs are on. It's vaping, and there's yeah. like like you from like thirty feet away, you can see like the cloud of steam yeah. coming off your realm of Olgu Battleborn yeah. realm of shadows. Hey, it's a winner. Yeah, you're going Let's, for that plaque. 
Yeah. Best painted army. Best painted or, army or whatever. best best themed army best, or yeah. yeah, whatever it is. Like to have like the the most creative army. Yep. To be able to just have that smoke machine running underneath without having to like have it be this like totally obvious like hey get, get, run me 20 extension cords across the room <laughs> to my table right i've got this like 50 pound yeah two thousand dollar smoke machine yeah i i think that could be it could be a lot of fun I could. I could see trying to do that these little different types of smoke machines that you can put yeah. in there yeah. uh, for uh are you putting together uh, a board for crucible crucible eight Mm. I will. Yeah. I haven't, but I will. I'm right there with you. I've started collecting the components, like the minimum. Like I've got uh, just a sheet of metal. Okay. Because everything's magnetized. Yeah. I'm planning to just, uh, instead of taking my big case that I normally take for the tournament, I'm planning to just keep everything on the one board. Okay. So that when I get to my table, it's all just there. So, yep. You just transfer the board. Yeah. Yep. And put it right back on there for when they go do the, the yep. whole judging. One thing I wish tournament organizers would communicate better is their expectations for judging armies. Yeah. Visually judging armies. Because I have yet to go to any tournament where that was happening, that it was communicated how they expected you to set things up. Correct. The la- when When are they judging? When and are they judging? What's you know, like what they're looking for? Yeah, and like, not just like just basic, basic. Set your army up right now to yes. be presentable to somebody walking by. Yeah, at this like, time, that's all I need to know. Yeah, after game one or after game two yeah. or whenever, set up your army for judging. That's it. Just tell me that. I because right. every so tournament I've been to, I don't to, leave to go for my lunch break, and the guys walking around judging armies, and I'm trying to get lunch before. Yeah. I set my army up to Yeah, I, I don't it. know when you're doing it. And right. like I don't have anything set up. Right. Yeah, I put my army back in the box because I know this was when you're doing it. Right. And how are you judging it? Do you want me to set it up so it's facing this side of the table, that side of the table? What you want me what do you want me to do with it? Where do you want the board? You know, like right. give, just give me a, a minute amount of instruction. Haley and I also do a lot of cosplay. Yeah. One of the one of the ones we should have won. We don't do a lot of costume contests because it's different every single time and it's a very subjective thing it depends yeah. on your audience like we've we do some intricate costumes one of the costume contests we lost we lost to a store-bought elmo costume what? because the audience was mainly made up of kids and families that love elmo yeah so it was it had nothing to do with the costume it had everything to do with the character yeah you know they just wanted elmo to win yeah so uh we were in another costume contest where Nothing had been communicated. We hadn't seen the stage before we were going to go up because we were held backstage. Uh, we were brought up one at a time uh, to go up and be viewed. We were brought up as a couple. Yeah. But still, we had no clue what the stage would look like or what we were expected to do or how it's judged. We didn't know there were judges or if it was going to be crowd approval. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? So yeah. we. We went up and we did our thing, and this is where we did the uh, BJ Day, the famous picture of the sailor and the nurse, where the sailor is dipping the nurse and kissing her. Okay. We recre- recreated the costume, but we were zombies. Okay. So yep. I was a sailor uh, ripping out the zombie nurse's throat, yeah. and she was a zombie nurse like turning towards the audience with her like damaged throat. It was a hit. It was a hit all over the place. I 
walking on a stage with the lights in my eyes, looking at the audience, trying to see people. We went up, we did our thing. We didn't win, and we heard it after the fact from the judges that we didn't do the dip for the judges who were on the other side of the stage, and I never once, walking out on that stage, I never once knew you there were judges. Knew they were there. I had no clue they were even there that I needed to perform for them. And it was also bullshit because the next group was the group that won. And the next group that came up, they were doing uh, Monster High or something like okay. that. And they never even went up on the stage. They went out in front of the audience okay, in the front row there and so had their backs to the judges. I don't know. That's, that Whatever. was the bullshit. Whatever. But I've been in that situation so many times where it was so subjective based on the audience. Yeah. So give me something. Yeah. Tell give me, me, give me the bounds of which I'm supposed to be selling myself. Yes. What, what are you expecting? Right. Give me, give me like, just like if you're applying for a job, Yeah. you know what the job you're applying for. If, if I'm applying, my job right now is I want to win the painting contest. Yeah. And you tell me three color minimum. Well, what? What else? Yeah. Oh, have have a have a you know your board, your painted display board. Right. Okay. I mean, what, what, I mean, what, what do does you, that mean? What does that mean? When am I when am I being judged? Who's judging it? What do you expect of the display board? Because I got display board credit at Crucible, and I didn't have a display board. I had um, movement trays. Uh, right. So I got credit for having a display board because I had movement trays. Right. But. I don't know. It was a lot of points that people could win or lose based on these subtle little things and but forget then the points. People didn't have to bring that display board the next day. No, they just had to bring it that one time. Yeah, for during those... the test. Yep. Or I mean, uh, the judging. The, the judging. That I wasn't don't know. Communicated. It wasn't. Com- I didn't know when the judging was going to happen. Right. It wasn't until after I finished that game that someone said, "Yeah, remember to set your stuff up for the for the judges to come by." what yeah <laughs> there's nothing anywhere that i'm aware of that had anything written in any of the packs right. pre-game packs that w- explain that right it's only word of mouth yep so yes please tournament organizers judges if you want people to set their armies up for you to judge them tell them beforehand when where how you want that stuff yeah and you'll be surprised yeah, I bet I bet you'll get a much greater range of what you're looking for. Yes, absolutely. All right. Well, hey, hey, we did the uh, the realm of Algu, <laughs> and uh, we have one left: the realm yeah, of light. The realm of light. We'll do that. Hopefully, Mark will be back with us. Yes. So. Um, uh, goals for next time, my hobby goals. Okay. What do you have? Um, what are my hobbies? I'm going to try to get a couple of my my heroes painted. Yes. For a certain reason. Named heroes I'm for... Trying to get, for, for, for... There's a reason why we are. Yep. And we're going to get them painted. And uh, I'd like to have... I, I'd like to have a few of those painted by... by Me too. Time. Me too. Next by, by next time, I want to have at least one more, if not two more, named heroes. Yeah. But before we play next, yeah, hopefully that'll be sooner than later. Yeah, and then maybe my my glitz converted to round bases. Glitz, yeah. I um, named hero painted, and I want to uh, just keep chipping away at the daughters of Cain and get that entire army to the point where I'm I can sit down and proudly say this is a hundred percent painted army. Yeah, 
because I don't have that. They are 100% tournament ready, ready, but they are not exactly what you want them to be right i I want the entire army up to like a hero standard yeah you know yeah and i'm almost there 40 40 models to go all right hey you know (laughs) five models a night just yeah that's it because i'm just doing a couple of things and in a week and i'm doing two eyes on each one of them (sighs) the eyes like yeah i would at least do just one eye and a patch on the other Well, I've got the one too that I've been asking people about. She definitely turned up with derpy eyes. Do you know what I mean? She's <laughs> yep, got these yep. like crazy cross-eyed, big cross-eyes. Uh, yeah, yeah. She looks like sloth. Yep. Uh, and I can't decide if I want to like repaint her or leave her like that. That's great. Anyway, <laughs> uh, I hope uh, people listening have gotten some out of this. If you want to yep. get a hold of us, uh, you can find me on Twitter. Uh, Orlando Adam on Twitter or Orlando Adam on Instagram and you can find us on Facebook at the group Orlando mm-hmm. uh, and Nicholas what about you? Orlando Nick on Instagram, Orlando Nick on Twitter Yep. and same places on Facebook. Yeah and Mark who's not here he's Orlando Mark and all those places exactly. as well. Yep. So uh, yeah what do the orcs say when they're going to war? <laughs> and we gotta make some babies. She tricked Arthur into having sex with her, so it's his own sister. And we gotta make some babies. <laughs> uh, Lot's daughters. Lot's get daughters. Lot drunk. Yes. To sleep with them. And we gotta make some babies. <laughs> Get their dad drunk so they can like have a happy ending. Yep, brother, sister, sex. Oh, oh. Game of Thrones is the same concept. Yep. And there's incest there as well. Absolutely, there's incest there as well. And we gotta make some babies. <laughs> it's Luke and Leia the whole time. Uh, yep. <laughs>